You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime and coordinates for the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Obi-Wan Kenobi and or Mando Season 3 and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe, of which there are a lot to talk about on this episode. Um, As much as we would like to uh, jump right in and talk about the last couple episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, we're going to save that for... uh, you know, uh, not too far from now, but we'll come back after the finale and talk about the second half of that season because we've got to catch up on all the news and trailers and stuff from Celebration that we still haven't talked about. So excited to finally get to talk about all that stuff with you guys. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim and Paul with me. How's it going, guys? It's going great. I mean, as much as it's going to be so hard not to talk about the last episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi right now, but thankfully we got tons of other cool stuff from Celebration that was announced that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. So this should be another fun one as we're still in the midst of just tons of awesome Star Wars content that came our way over the last few weeks. It's just been a ton of fun. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I'm i having so much fun with Kenobi and I I really needed, you know, Celebration and Kenobi to kind of come in and re reinvigorate my Star Wars fandom a little bit, kind of kick it in the pants. You know, I, I love Book of Boba Fett, but with Celebration, with Kenobi kind of commencing, it's like, it's like, and with Andor coming up, I'm just, man, it's like I am, I'm, I'm back. I'm just, it feels good to be really, really excited because, and I've said before, this is this, this is just the start of the, of pretty much the non-slot, non-stop onslaught we're going to get with Star Wars. So buckle up, Buttercup. We're about to go in for a ride. <laughs> yeah, for lack of a better term, this is where the fun begins. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, did you guys see the clip of uh, Hayden saying that to the, the celebration crowd right before the Obi-Wan premiere? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. If you guys haven't, yeah, obviously... The crowd went nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, there's tons of great videos and stuff on the Star Wars YouTube channel, just interviews with uh, the different actors and stuff from Celebration. So go check th- those out if you haven't yet. Um, They didn't stream a lot of the panels this year, but some of those panel videos are out on YouTube. Um, You know, obviously with like some of the trailers and things that they didn't air uh, edited out, but um, you still get to kind of, you know, just hear the panel discussion and and see the stuff they were talking about, which was really cool. I'll bring a couple of those up as we're talking later, but um, let's just jump right into it, shall we, with uh, the first show that's going to be coming out after Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obviously, we've got one episode left of Obi-Wan. And then uh, our next Star Wars series is going to be Andor coming August 31st. 
And uh, we did get a full length trailer for that, um, showing a lot of cool stuff. And I mean, we're not gonna go through it shot by shot because we probably don't have time for that on this episode because I've got on my little outline here, uh, eight different projects that we've got to talk about. Um, and man, like celebration was huge this year. Um, you know, I think we were kind of, you know, we obviously we're texting through the whole weekend and talking about all these projects and stuff. Um, and I was like, man, you know, there've been other celebrations like 2015 with the force awakens where it kind of felt like a really big deal, just that like star Wars was back and it was the first new movie in a while. And they had, you know, the new cast and the old cast all there together at celebration. And like that one felt like a big deal, but I think this has got to be the biggest celebration they've ever had just in terms of the sheer number of announcements and projects that were talked about and the amount of upcoming stuff that we've got to look forward to. Um, I mean, we've got, just to give you an idea of what we're gonna be talking about on the show, we've got Andor, Mando Season 3, Ahsoka, the new Skeleton Crew show they announced, uh, the Jedi Survivor video game, and then Tales of the Jedi, Bad Batch Season 2, and Vision Season 2. So we'll see if we get to all of that and cram this all in in one episode, but it's gonna be a lot. and it was just so much fun going through that whole weekend and following all the updates and announcements and stuff. Um, so yeah, we're not going to like go through every trailer shot by shot. Uh, but, um, you know, this trailer that they showed for, for Andor, um, I mean, I think the biggest, like my biggest takeaway is just how good the show looks visually. And it's interesting because like, I know they've been working on this for a while and I'm curious to know like how long the filming actually took, but I also know this is the first of the Disney plus Star Wars shows that they didn't shoot in the volume. So they built a lot of sets. They did a lot of location filming and it really shows like, I love what they've been doing with the volume in um, like in the Mandalorian and stuff like that. Um, And obviously being able to create planets and locations and stuff that you couldn't film in the real world. But at the same time, like just the cinematography and the locations and stuff in this Andor trailer really stick out um, as, you know, just something really visually impressive. And at the same time, we also see places like Coruscant that, you know, are like completely digitally created. Um, But it's an interesting contrast because I just watched this trailer again. And uh, it's funny, like even we we talked about this on our last episode, uh, especially Paul and I, you know, kind of had some minor gripes with some of the visual stylings of Obi-Wan and some of the camera techniques and stuff like that. Um, And I feel like, you know, the the show could look better and could maybe execute some technical things better, but I'm loving it for the Anakin and Obi-Wan invader stuff. And I think it's really nailing the characters. Um, But like comparing that to like this trailer for, you know, just this first look trailer for Andor, I'm like, this could win some Emmys for, you know, visual effects and cinematography and everything. Like all these locations look great. Um, Nothing feels kind of like small scale or, oh, this looks like Star Wars on a TV budget. Like this looks like it could be a Star Wars movie. Um, In fact, it looks like a a pretty natural extension of Rogue One. Um, It's got a lot of that similar kind of uh, visual style to it. So um, and we don't really know a whole lot about the story, aside from just the fact that this takes place in, you know, obviously during the the, the time of the Empire, um, before Rogue One and leading up to those events. And uh, both like at the panel and in some interviews they've done recently and stuff, they've kind of described this as, I think it's, I think the series is going to be two seasons. Each season yeah. is going to be, tw- each season is going to be 12 episodes. And they said, uh, this first season is where we're going to be introduced to Cassian. And he's not going to be the same kind of character that we know from Rogue One. Like, he's going to be, 
you know, a lot more kind of like selfish out for himself. Like he's not the kind of guy that would make the the heroic selfless sacrifice like he does at the end of Rogue One. So uh, this first season is all about him sort of getting to that point and becoming more of that person and like him first joining the Rebel Alliance and stuff like that. And then they talked about how season two is going to connect more with the events of Rogue One. So I think, um, you know, we'll see some more tie-ins there. I'm expecting that we probably won't see K2SO until season two, but I'm looking forward to when he shows up. But um, also it's evident from this trailer like that this is just going to be like a huge cast. Like it looks like there's a lot of planets, a lot of different locations, a lot of uh, interesting characters that they're going to be focusing on. Um, we know from like that Vanity Fair article that like Cassian and Mon Mothma are both going to have kind of like the two main storylines that kind of run parallel to each other. But they also described it as being this big ensemble cast and having a lot of other people with a lot of other stuff going on. So. I mean, it's interesting because like I watched this trailer and I don't get super hyped for like what the what the plot is going to be just because I mean, there's nothing really like big or epic or dramatic going on. And it doesn't really give you a, a lot to to chew on as far as like what the main plot is going to be, aside from just people trying to survive and, and rebel against the Empire. Um, but just seeing the locations, the the environments, the different characters and costumes and the groups of people that we're going to see, I'm just really I'm looking forward to kind of just being in, immersed in what they're creating visually and just seeing what's going. I think this show is going to be our best look yet at just sort of like what everyday life was like under the Empire and seeing various different parts of the galaxy and how they're all being affected and how the early seeds of rebellion are being planted and stuff like that. So I'm just really interested to uh, to get into all that stuff. Um, but what about you guys? I mean, we can kind of just you know, is there anything you want to talk about in terms of like what stands out in the trailer or what you're most excited about um, or just what you're looking forward to in the series in general? Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> this was a really cool trailer, but also a very different kind of Star Wars trailer, I felt. Just even the way it starts, very quiet. You just see someone walking up this tower and then he starts banging on an item like a drum and sounding the alarm. And just that theme of like an alarm sounding off at the course over the course of the trailer. And you see it again where another person from the village just runs up to looks like a house and starts banging all these metal tablets there to sound in the alarm. So that's just set to be like a big theme over the course of the trailer without not but really much dialogue in it. And if, if I'm to be honest, I'm actually a little bit surprised how little we had or got of Cassian in this trailer. We got a few shots of him and he had that voiceover. But like you said, Kyle, it was trailer was showcasing a lot of different locations, a lot of different characters, just really all over the place as far as, what type of locations and different characters and just groups of people we're going to see over the course of the series. And just a lot of it looks really cool. I mean, I really geeked out seeing they're not quite the same Republic gunship models, but just seeing those fly and come into camera was awesome. And the fact that I was hoping we get this, but the fact that we are going to have clone troopers in this series was awesome to see. And it just makes me wonder because they already said how this series, we're going to see Cassian as a little kid and to see how his journey really began, as we know, his famous line from Rogue One saying he was in this fight since he was six years old. And we're just going to see that hatred he gets for the Empire start at an early age. And of course, that would be uh, during when the Republic was still in power and probably during the Clone Wars. So I'm not sure if that section we saw in the trailer, these clone troopers just marching up into a village, if that's during the Clone Wars. And they're maybe attacking the Separatist planet and having to go through this village. Or if it's going to be 
post order 66, like really close after, like maybe during the time period of the bad batch, where you're still seeing some clone troopers still within the empire, um, doing whatever that needs to be done, um, for the empire. But just seeing them, that's the simple clean white clone trooper armor <laughs> just seeing those, those troopers show up is just a really cool moment, but it makes me wondering, uh, just what era we're going to see those clone troopers in. And of course, we have to get a shot of the Death Troopers marching with another Imperial officer. They didn't do much, but just seeing them march up in front of the camera behind that Imperial officer was just great to see. And obviously, I can't wait to see them in action. But the other stuff I really liked about it, too, the few shots we got, and you mentioned how Mon Mothma is really going to be the second main character probably in the series whose story we're going to follow. But just seeing kind of what life is like for her during this time period, being still being a senator within the Empire, just kind of having to keep up that face of being a good imperial senator going to functions. It looks like she's at a, an event or a party and then seeing her getting like taking a taxi cab ride over Coruscant, almost having to look like she's being followed or something. So, and we also got a shot of the imperial Senate and just seeing the Senate chamber again during the time of the empire is going to be crazy because obviously we're just so used to seeing it in the prequels and during the times of the Republic and just kind of seeing how the Senate operates under the Empire for the time that it was still around. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing because that's something we haven't gotten too much insight to um, during this era of uh, between uh, Revenge of the Sith and the New Hope. So that's going to be fascinating, I think, to see play out and just how Mon Mothma is kind of have to play both sides. Keep, like I said, keeping up face of being an Imperial Senator, but at the same time, we'll probably see her doing what she can for the rebellion that's still uh, trying to form and come into its own. I imagine we'll be seeing uh, Jimmy Smith as Bail Organa at some point during the series too. Maybe just some communication between Mon Mothma and Bell. So that stuff should be really cool to see. And then you mix that in with kind of the real battle that's going on with uh, with Cassian involved and just kind of who he's going to be involved with. Like with um, a certain rebel cell, is it going to be on his own, on his own for a little bit? And he joins up with a certain group. So still some questions that I'm looking forward to seeing as far as. Um, what type of journey we're going to see Cassian take and like who he gets involved with this journey with um, over the course of the series. So yeah, it was a really cool trailer. It, like you said, it looks fantastic. Um, it does almost look pretty much like following the same footsteps of how great Rogue One looks. So yeah, I'm excited for it and just so glad too that it's not that far away. Just a couple of months to go as we're talking about it right now. So um, we'll see if we get another look at it, but if not, I mean, you didn't need to sell me on it anyway. It's a new Star Wars series. <laughs> going to watch it regardless. But um, it looks fantastic, and they don't really need, I think, to showcase any more of it to get any, to get anyone else to look forward to this uh, to this series. And I thought this trailer showed us exactly what it's going to be, but with not revealing too much as well as far as still keeping um, the actual plot of the series under wraps, but giving you a good idea what this series is going to entail. So, yeah, it was great to finally get our first look at Cassian, or Andor, I should say, but it was a great first look. I thought it looked really, really good. I was so surprised how much it looked infant immediately better and different than all the Star Wars shows already. And when I say that, the aesthetic of Rogue One, like you said, Tim, it's like it's like it's a complete like there's no there's no drop off as far or not even quality. I'm talking about I'm talking about any aesthetic, yeah, anything like that. There's no difference between this trailer and that movie. I just I'm 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 I almost rewatched the whole movie. I've been rewatching with my daughter, and um, it's weird because like after watching the trailer and I watched the movie and and everything and it just 
you know, it's it's so weird how a film that I really before it came out, I was I mean, I, I love Star Wars. I love any kind of movie that Star Wars gives me. But I was really worried about the movie with all the reshoots and everything. I thought it was going to be a mess. I'm like, this is going to be I remember telling our my old my old, my old buddy, John, I, in private, I was like, this is going to be a, a SH show. I, I just I knew I remember him telling me like, this, this has me worried. This is going to be a bad movie. Because we heard, heard about all the reshoots, but to be honest, they're just, they just, Lucasfilm caught gold with Gilroy. And I, and, it, and it's a bummer. It's, it's kind of a bummer because obviously, um, you know, Gareth Edwards, he's nowhere to be found on the show, which is really weird, um, to be honest. And just in general, like, too, like you haven't heard anything as far as any projects that I, he's been doing. Yeah, since I'm like, you wonder if he's just like he got just really hurt from that whole experience, you know. Um, and it sucks because, you know, he obviously had something to do with that whole aesthetic. And and the one thing about, you know, if, you know, I'm going on and on about this because without even watching the show once. But it's fascinating if you are if you're out there and you you know you're listening to this and you know and working collaborate collaboration with people if you collaborate with a lot of people whether it be in work or in art or whatever you're doing you know music you know I say art is you know big A you know so you can encompass all that stuff but you know if you work on any kind of project with people you know collaborating is one of those things where you sometimes you just you just hit gold and you have no idea how you did it and. And I think Rogue One is a great example of that a little bit. Like just they found something in that that they probably had no right getting, to be quite honest, because it, I think, you know, Rogue, I, we were talking about Rise of Skywalker, you know, last week and someone was saying uh, that they, you know, they were writing that movie as they went, just like The Force Awakens. And on The Force Awakens, you could see that a little bit and Rise of Skywalker, you see a lot of it. And I love that movie, but that's how, you know, that did not work for a lot of people. And you know, because and I think that because when you're doing a lot of those time, the, those things at the time, like writing things at the time, you're going to have a lot of problems, you know, and have probably a mixed reaction on fans. Uh, Rogue One doesn't have that. Rogue One is the opposite. Rogue One is by far the most loved and predominantly praised Disney project. I think almost borderline with the Mandalorian, maybe neck and neck with it. That's saying a lot. Rogue One is just it, it, it holds up. It just keeps holding up and it's just, it is beautifully paced, acted. It's perfectly, it's, it is a perfect storm of, in all the good ways. Right. And I say all that because it, to, to basically emulate that same magic that you had, that you have no right to really have, and you automatically are pretty much tapping into that right away is pretty impressive. And, and I'm just watching the trailer and who knows what happens? And maybe Gilroy deserves more credit than I ever gave him, you know, gave him. Um, and I, I gave him a lot of credit, but I thought Gareth was, you know, was the the sole, you know, I'd say the, the biggest push. I'm starting to think maybe that's not the case, um, to be quite honest, because the aesthetic of this trailer looks phenomenal. The Like the set designs, I think that even the CGI looks better. And maybe there'll be some, you know, the, there's, we're going to see a little more of the, the Obi-Wan and the Mando, you know, low budget things. And I say low budget, meaning TV budget. And that's, and again, those don't detract from me. I love them. But Andor looks incredible. I mean, it just looks nuts in a sense where it looks just like Rogue One. And it it's emulating a live action film. And I was talking to Kyle beforehand that, you know, one thing that I remember watching with Mando and um, season two 
I started thinking it crept in, it crept in my mind a little bit, saying maybe we we just need only uh, Star Wars TV shows. We don't need live action films. And even though I love Kenobi, maybe it, I love it is just as much as season two of Mando at this point. Um, my biggest criticism of the show overall is some of the production is not great and it's not as cinematic and not as big as it needs to be. Uh, holy crap, Andor makes Kenobi look like ABC television. And I don't mean that in a slight. I'm being serious. Like, Kenobi shot a certain way to save budget. You could just see it. And I don't yeah. think it's a bad thing, but it's it's reality. Andor I don't, does and not I don't have know, that. I don't know if it was for budget reasons or if it's just, you know, like Deborah Chow and her crew maybe weren't as proficient as working with the volume and, and stuff as, uh, you know, Favreau and Filoni have gotten over like three seasons of doing their stuff now. Um, right. But yeah, you're right. I mean, just the contrast between those two is huge. And Andor looks like a Star Wars movie. Like Obi-Wan, and again, like as much as I love Obi-Wan, it looks like Star Wars on a TV budget, which is yeah not a bad thing because like it looks fine for a TV show. Mando looks like really good star wars on a tv budget like you know it's like there's times where you can tell they maybe had some constraints or whatever but like it it like it it's not quite movie quality but it's really dang close for a tv show like i don't watch mando Mm -hmm. and go oh this is fine for star wars on a tv budget i'm like no for a star wars tv show this looks fantastic Um, that's a great point yeah but andor it's like this could be a movie trailer i mean yeah the the only thing that's uh, the only thing that's missing to get me as hyped as I would be for a movie is like um, some big battles or like a, a scary new bad guy or something like to me, this trailer is all kind of just like environment and world building and not really telling you much about the characters or the plot. And that's why I'm not like, I don't know, super hyped, but like not in a bad way. I'm not saying I'm not looking forward to it. It's just like, I'm intrigued. It looks good. I'm ready to watch it. Um, but this trailer alone doesn't have me going like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the best Star Wars show ever. But it certainly is going to be the best looking one so far. Well, you know, you talk about, you know, villains automatically. They This trailer, and I'm really quick, I know we don't want to dive too much deep into this. But the last thing I'll, I'll say is that the bad guys already look like way different in a good way for Imperials. You know, they really look the snide you know, really, um, you know, the tar almost like that tar more Tarkinish, you know, vibe of the bad guys we're getting. Um, Kyburn from Game of Thrones, uh, you know, his short little I had no idea he was in this movie. Oh, or his show. yeah, yeah, I forgot. I that's who that was. Yeah, no word, right? And I just I saw just that one shot of him in that big white room. I'm like, damn, it just uh, it just looks. It this is gonna be. I think Andor is gonna is gonna be like the it's I don't know if it's gonna make it's gonna be Kenobi level I think but in a different way it's gonna I think it's gonna captivate more people from a storyline standpoint than like uh, I think hitting the right nostalgia standpoint which again I'm not saying Kenobi's bad but it's a little bit different I think Andor is gonna captivate more from a story standpoint if that makes any sense um, yeah no I I know what you mean because I think I think Andor is gonna be a sleeper hit. I mean, heck, even in those Vanity... I, I forget if it was at the Vanity Fair article or at the first panel of Celebration when they had, like, the Lucasfilm Studio Showcase where Kathleen Kennedy was like, yeah, you guys are all excited for, like, Obi-Wan and Mando and stuff, but, like, wait till you see Andor. Like, and I feel like this is the one that maybe is going to kind of fly under the radar a little bit, that, like, people aren't going to be as hyped about leading up to it, but then once it comes out, 
um, you know, if, if the quality of this trailer is any indication to go by, I think it's going to draw people in. I think it's going to spread through word of mouth. And I think it's going to be maybe the most solid across the board of um of any of the star wars series so far like and you know i don't think it's going to have the emotional highs of like luke skywalker showing up in the mandalorian or anakin versus or like obi-wan versus vader in obi-wan but i think it could certainly be like just the most consistent in quality all the way through potentially i mean you know we've only got two minutes worth of footage to go off of so far but i'm just saying like i kind of get that impression from it oh yeah yeah Think you're probably going to be dead on when it's all said and done. Um, one, one quick, one, one really quick thing, and I'll, and I'll be done. I promise. For Andor, um, I, I, the aesthetic. One thing I'm impressed with with this trailer alone, and I think they've done a better job already, is bridging all these different gaps of the different films and designs. And I think every show has done a, you know, a decent job of it for the most part. But like, I feel like this movie, it looks cinematic. I keep saying movie, <laughs> uh, but, but, um, but the trailer. For this TV show, you see all different things. You see the Clone Wars gunships. You see like clones. You see, but then like you see like the the freaking um the solo speeders, you know mm-hmm. the, the, the designs, which I freaking love. You know I love solo so much. Seeing those speed those like likeish speeders flying around, I'm like yes, yes. Like like I feel that, you know, just like you know any kind of um. With anything, you know, with Disney, Star Wars, maybe, like, it is a little bit of a rough start for them in general. The first, you know, like, five, six years-ish. And I say rough. I don't want to say it's rough. But, like, it maybe it take, it's taken them a while to kind of figure out, and Kathleen Kennedy herself a little bit, and, and leadership and, and whoever's doing this stuff. But now that they've kind of figured out, like, what's going on Star Wars aesthetic-wise and everything and how they're producing things, it feels more and more like they're – they're, they're coming aligned together and having these, these designs bridge each other and be connected, not from a story standpoint, but from an aesthetic standpoint. And I feel like the last couple, three, four seasons, I think Book, Book of Boba Fett, you know, you know, people you can yell about the mods all you want, but that's a different, that's more of a creative <laughs> decision on, you know, specific characters, but the aesthetic of the worlds and everything for the most part are all pretty consistent and are all very much, you know, mirroring or harmonizing or, you know, rhyming with each other. And it's been pretty impressive. And I've been really, really impressed and happy with, with how they've been doing that. Yeah. I mean, one, one other interesting thing, you mentioned this too, Tim. Um, I almost wish the show was titled something other than Andor, because at this point it really does look like, I mean, I know Cassian is going to be, you know, probably the, get more screen time than any of the other characters, but there's going to be so many different characters and so much going on. Like, I wish they had just titled it, you know, Star Wars, like Dark Times or Age of Rebellion or something like that. Um, Because like, it definitely doesn't seem like this is going to focus on Cassian as much as like Obi-Wan Kenobi, for example, is focusing on Obi-Wan. Like he's clearly the main character of that series. Whereas um, this, I think, is going to be a, a much more of like an ensemble cast. And again, just kind of like a, a a real in-depth look of like the state of the galaxy during the time of the Empire and the early days of the Rebellion. And obviously there's going to be a lot more to that than just Cassian. And we're going to see that from a lot of different perspectives. So I feel like it, when you have 12 episodes in a season, too, you can easily yeah. spread that out with one episode focusing on a totally group of different characters and casting's not even in it. I mean, heck they did it for the book of Boba Fett for that's only seven episodes. <laughs> he wasn't yeah. in two of them. So with 12, they could really do that. 
And I feel like, I mean, there could be two reasons for that. One, they're just trying to bank off of like a familiar character and draw people in that way and be like, oh, you know, people will be more likely to watch it if they know that there's a character in it that they like. Um, or it could be that like maybe they sort of conceived of this as a Cassian spinoff show and they had already decided the title for it. And then the concept of it just kind of grew and expanded to be about a lot more than just Cassian. But then they still decided to just go ahead and stick with that title. Um, and maybe it's a bit of both, but I could definitely see a scenario where maybe somebody doesn't tune in to watch the show or at least, you know, they're not jumping on it right away from day one because they're like, yeah, I liked Rogue One and I like Cassian, but like, I don't necessarily need a whole spinoff series about that character. And then, you know, those of us that are watching it are going to be like, no, but like you're missing out. There's a lot more to this show than just a Cassian spinoff. So, um. Yeah, interesting title choice, but I'm really looking forward to see what they do and what the the whole scope and story of the show ends up being. Um, but the trailer looks fantastic, um, and we've only got a couple months to wait before it comes out. So um, look forward to having that be here sooner than later, and of course talking with you guys all about it once it come, comes out and we start watching it. So um, yeah, that was a, a good way to sort of kick things off with uh, you know getting our first look at that. Um, but let's get into a couple of the other live action shows that they talked about. So unfortunately, they did show a trailer for Mandalorian season three. Um, they're on the Thursday at the Lucasfilm Showcase panel, and then they showed an extended version of it on Saturday at the Mando Plus panel um, that have, you know, they didn't release to the public. I've seen various like bootleg clips of it online of people recording on their phones, but I haven't been able to find like one complete video of the whole trailer. I've just seen it like in bits and pieces and I still don't think I've seen the whole thing. Um, so I wish they would release that. We do know Mando season three is not coming out this December. It's coming out. Um, did they confirm February of next year? Yeah, they did say February. Okay. Yeah, so February of next year is when we're going to get to see Mando season three. So we have to wait a couple months later than usual. Um, but man, from the brief glimpses that I have seen in the trailer and just from some descriptions that I've heard from people who were there and talking about the stuff uh, that was in that trailer, like, I cannot wait for this. And I think, I mean, out of all the stuff we're talking about right now, I think Mando season three is my most uh, my most anticipated Star Wars project. Um, I've just come to love, you know, Mando and Grogu so much, but also just the way that they keep building on just the scope and scale of the show and incorporating more of the lore of like Mandalore and the Darksaber and all that kind of stuff, but also, you know, bringing in familiar characters and just doing bigger things with, you know, again, with the volume and the visual effects and the scale of things, you know, every season keeps on getting bigger. So I'm super excited for it. I know there's some things in the trailer, like, um, you know, battles involving a lot more Mandalorians than we've ever seen before. Um, you know, Mando and Grogu, of course, flying around in his starfighter. There's one shot where it looks like they're in a space battle and he's, you know, shooting down some other ships. Um, maybe going to the home planet of the, uh, gosh, I think it's like Anzellans is the alien species, but it's the little Babu Frick guys. Um, but there's going to be like multiple, like several of those aliens in this show that we're seeing in a couple shots. So I'm looking forward to that because if there's one thing I absolutely love about the Rise of Skywalker, it's Babu Frick. Um, <laughs> so, Babu Frick is great. Yeah. And like just lots more of the armor of Bo-Katan. Uh, we see more of uh, Grief Karga. And it looks like he's on, it could be Navarro, but if it is, like Navarro is looking a lot better off than the last time we saw it because there's like, 
green and trees and like new looking buildings. And I was like, did he move somewhere else and take over a different city? Or is Navarro just, you know, kind of flourishing under his watch now? Um, but either way, it's going to be fun to, uh, you know, just catch up with all those familiar characters. Um, but yeah, really, I'm I'm excited to see where Din Djarin's story goes next. Uh, now that he's got the Darksaber, he's on a quest to, you know, go back to Mandalore to sort of reclaim his honor that he's lost. And uh, apparently you could see shots of Mandalore in the trailer as well. And I could kind of see those in the clips that I saw. But I mean, it was like when it's big landscape shots like that, um, you can't really get a, a good sense of what it actually looks like when it's like on somebody's phone. And especially if it's bright and looks kind of blown out and whatever, like I could make out individual like characters and ships and stuff. But as far as landscapes, it was like, wait, what planet is that? Um, so couldn't really see any good details there. But Obviously looking forward to uh, seeing what they do with the planet Mandalore and uh, just, yeah, all the stuff that's going to be going on there. Um, you know, the Mandalorian has been a great ride so far, and I can't wait to see where they take us next. Yeah, I kind of figured that since they recently wrapped production not too long ago that we they, they would show a trailer, but we probably wouldn't get to see it um, released online, kind of how it was for season one. So disappointing but at the same time, I was kind of expecting it. But um, yeah, like you, Kyle, I know there was some versions of it out there. And if I know it's out there, I can't resist. So <laughs> um, I did have, get to see some of it, like probably the same one that you did. Um, but yeah, I just cannot wait not only to see the series or the season when it premieres, but just to get our first look at the an official online trailer when it comes out probably later on this year. Uh, just what they're setting up. And what they're talking about this season is going to be just looks and sounds really cool. Just the fact knowing that we kind of figured it anyway, but confirming that we are going to be going to Mandalore in this season. And I, I don't think it was, but that one shot that they showed in the trailer with Bo-Katan kind of sitting on this throne um, in this hallway. It had Mandalore like vibes, but it didn't get the impression that that's where they were at. That's almost like Din's going to find her at whatever planet or location she's on um, to kind of maybe to get her to help him. Uh, go to Mandalore, but that, regardless, it did look like a great location or just a, a great like throne room area that invoked a lot of some vibes from Mandalore. But yeah, from the descriptions of seeing more Mandos in action, which I think I, I don't know if it's been confirmed, but just from people reading reactions of those who saw uh, the second trailer they put out for the Mando Plus panel, how it looks to be uh, more of the Death Watch Mandalorians, which would be uh, great to see more of, whether it's in flashback or we catch up with some of them, um, maybe more with Bo-Katan. And just um, seeing, looks like more so than we had in season one or season two, but um, space battles that we're going to get in this season, uh, which for the few glimpses we got, we saw the one trailer that leaked. It's just going to be great to see the Nubu Starfighter in action again, <laughs> seeing it uh, in actual combat. Uh, more than we saw just Din flying around in the book of Boba Fett. So if we're going to get some space battles in season three, it's going to be great having him Din be involved with it inside a Naboo Starfighter. That's going to be awesome. So yeah, just a lot to be excited about without having seen too much of it so far. But I mean, just the premise alone of Mando having to go back to Mandalore to kind of uh, repent for his sins in his uh, Mandalorian culture, at least for the group that he's with for taking off his helmet. This is going to be a great journey to go on with him to explore more of Mandalore and how it is in the state uh, post the Empire and just how it haven't recovered from the Night of a Thousand Tears and just 
probably seen some familiar locations that we saw in Clone Wars, but probably in ruins and uh, not looking like how it should be. And uh, probably some areas that we haven't seen explored in Mandalore. Um, so it's just a lot of stuff to look forward to. And I just can't wait to see um, more from that trailer for what was described and just in, you know, normal quality for, uh, other than the bootleg one that did leak out. But yeah, Mando season three, can't wait for it. And of course they never like to reveal too much. So there's probably gonna be even more awesome surprises in store when we see the actual season. But just for what we're getting right now, just what the general plot is going to be for the next season, I couldn't be more excited about it just to kind of go really deep dive more into Mandalorian culture and Mandalorian history. It looks like in this next season, it's going to be great. Yeah, you know the thing is with with, the, with these shows when I I didn't I didn't seek out the trailer, I didn't see it. Mando has been an awesome experience for me, and you know, my wife even can tolerate this now. Um, you know, she is somewhat she, I think connected. She's been watching a lot of Mando because of my daughter. She watches the first like I think the second and the third and the fourth episode a ton now because my my daughter makes her watch. She loves the second episode of Mando of season one because it's got uh, Jawas. She loves Jawas and, and, and obviously yeah, Grogu. <laughs> oh, I, it's one of my favorites, you know. Right? So, um, so yeah, it, it's actually a great segue for myself. Thank you, Tim. Uh, because <laughs> no, because um, Rick Fumiyama uh, is now a producer of the third yeah. season, which means that he's actually like a creative head of the season because obviously Filoni doing Ahsoka and, 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 you know, and I got to tell you, like, I was like, give this guy something to do, something to do. And I remember thinking, it's weird that like, I don't think he's directing, or they didn't really list directors and it didn't seem like he was going to be on there. And I thought, I thought that was kind of strange. I'm like, what, what's Rick doing? He hasn't been announced for doing anything. I thought it was interesting. And then it, they kind of slyly put that in there. I went, Oh, He's a producer of the show. That's a big deal. Like, so um, that's a big deal, man. And I'm I'm happy for him. And that means he's probably gonna have a lot of creative power for you know in his say. And the fact that uh, freaking Filoni and Favreau both trusted him to do that. I mean, like I, I trust him. And I think and that just shows that he proved himself in those episodes that he did. Um, they're great. They're some of the best episodes. And they, and obviously he wrote and directed. I think he wrote and directed that uh, last second, the, the pre-ultimate or, or is it Pim Ultimate? How do you say that word? Uh, yeah, I'm Penultimate. That, that Penultimate. Second, yeah. yeah, that second to last episode of season two. Uh, Which is leader. phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, like, it sucks because, you know, the Luke Skywalker episode comes in, you know, destroys everything. And rightfully so. I mean, that, that's a, that's, a, you can't, no one, nothing could top, you know, can top that. But that, and, and most people love that episode for right, yeah. for good like, reason. That's, that's not the biggest episode of the season in terms of like, cameos or big dramatic moments or anything but i think it's definitely the the most well written and well acted mm -hmm. episode of the mandalorian so far yeah absolutely and i think rick showed in season one that he knows he knows how to direct a good star wars you know program of of, of any kind of film at, on screen episode two and episode those two episodes are my favorite episodes, episodes of the season and then him coming into that 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 episode's phenomenal and the whole season two is just incredible of Mando. So it's like hard to like, you know, pit one against the other. But that being said, uh, I think he's proved himself 1000% to be a creative head. And I, I look forward to this being a, just a start of his long, hopefully long-term relationship with, with uh, Lucasfilm because it's well-deserved. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, same for all these guys. Like, and this was one of the ones that, um, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, you can go watch the full panel on YouTube. There's a couple of different channels that have uploaded the whole thing. And uh, yeah, highly recommend it because there was so much good stuff in this panel. It was great to see, you know, Rick out there talking about it, but even just hearing Dave and John talking about how much they love working on this show. And obviously we know Dave Filoni is you know, in it for the long haul. And we know how much he loves Star Wars and how, like, the responsibility that he feels to kind of pass on all the things that George te- that George taught him working on Clone Wars. Um, and I'm sure there will come a day when, you know, when Dave's not working on Star Wars anymore, either because he retires or I don't know if he'll ever, you know, get the urge to move on from Lucasfilm and do something else creatively. But I don't think that's going to be any time in the, near, in the near future. But even somebody like Jon Favreau, who's worked with the MCU. He's worked on, you know, big live action Disney movies. Like he's done a bunch of stuff. Like this guy could do anything in Hollywood that he wanted to. And to have him working on Star Wars TV shows, you know, kind of feels like we lucked out as fans. And, you know, you kind of wonder, especially, you know, bringing bringing on Rick as another producer, you wonder like, oh, is John going to stick around? Uh, you know, like how, how long is he going to stick around with this for? And he was talking about how much fun he has working on the show and how much he loves working with Dave and their whole team and everything. And he straight up said on the panel, like that w- even with all the other stuff he's done in his career, he said, this is the most fun he's ever had. And he's not planning on stopping anytime soon. And I mean, that for me as a, as a fan is huge. Like that we get, you know, such a big name director and, and producer as John Favreau saying like, I want to stick around with star Wars for a while. I'm having a blast doing this. Like that made me feel really good. And feel really good about the future of at least what they're doing with these, you know, they're kind of Mandoverse, if you want to call it with, uh, you know, Mando and Ahsoka. And I don't know if they'll do any other kind of spinoff shows set in that same universe or that same time period of the universe rather. Um, but I mean, these guys are just, you know, they're kind of firing on all cylinders at this point. Um, and I, I can't wait to see, uh, what they do going forward. And I hope they all stick around and keep doing it for a long, long time. Yeah, I believe it was even confirmed, too, that John Favreau says he's currently writing season four right now. So yeah. <laughs> we know he's hard at work already on the next season. And hearing you talk about that, Kyle, just made me remember a comment that Dave said. I was during the live Star Wars Celebration live stage um, where him and John were talking. It was, it was the first day, but they're just talking about still how Dave just started production on Ahsoka. And mm-hmm. talking about how you were saying how they're just both having so much fun. And he just said this line that that was so great. He says, I mean... It's awesome, and it won't stop being awesome getting to make yeah. Star Wars. That passion is there, and just I feel that way just as a Star Wars fan. Enjoying Star Wars won't stop being awesome. It'll just forever be great. And I can imagine that be even more so for those like Dave and John and everyone else creating Star Wars right now who gets to make it and gets to create it, who are fans, who just love it so much, and they just have that passion that just won't die or just go away, which is great for us because – they're putting out some of the best Star Wars, in my opinion, and to have them stick around and create as long as possible, I mean, that's just best for everyone, in my opinion. So it's just great to hear, not only see all that great stuff to doing, but just to hear them keep saying how much fun it is for them is just a joy to hear them uh, say all that stuff as they're showing this great content to all those fans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, also on that panel, they had, uh, it was really cool to see they had pa- not just Pedro Pascal, but also uh, Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder, who are the two stunt performers that also do a lot of the work uh, for Mando, you know, for Mando in the show. You know, they're not really just like stunt doubles, like kind of the three of them together 
um, sort of collaboratively make up like Mando's performance. Um, Because I think, you know, Pedro does a lot of like sort of the emotional heavy lifting and obviously does all the dialogue and stuff. But I think he does most of the the acting in suit when he's like interacting with other characters and stuff like that. Um, And then it's like for the action stuff. I know Brendan does all the gunslinging stuff and Latif does all the like hand to hand uh, combat and the stuff with like, you know, the Darksaber and the the Beskar spear and all that kind of stuff. Um, So it was nice to see them you know, get credit for it as well. Um, and, and for them to all just be able to talk about their experience, but, um, just talking about, you know, how much they love this character and how it really is sort of a a creative, like collaborative process, bringing him to life. Um, and it was, you know, they had everybody come out there like Giancarlo Esposito and Katie Sackhoff and, um, uh, oh, and then of course they bring out Tamura Morrison who comes out and like does the haka on stage yeah. <laughs> to the book of Boba Fett theme. And if you haven't watched that clip yet, just watch that clip by itself. It's freaking awesome. Um, that was awesome. I guess the only bummer for that panel for me, I thought, oh, this is where they're going to announce season two of the book of Boba Fett and nothing, but yeah. <laughs> it was still that they hadn't be a part of that uh, panel. Yeah, no, I'm, and I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Boba, whether it's more Book of Boba Fett or we just see him show up in in Mando again. But, um, man, between that and then I don't know if you guys also watched the Attack of the Clones uh, 20th anniversary panel. (laughs) Tamara Morrison was just having the time of his life that weekend. And uh, especially on the Attack of the Clones panel, like, oh my gosh, he's cutting it up the whole time, just cracking jokes, <laughs> telling all these funny stories and stuff. Daniel Logan is sitting right next to him and is just dying laughing the entire time um, to the point that it almost made me wonder, like, what were you guys passing around backstage? But like, it just, <laughs> my gosh, you, you could tell even like any any panel that Tim was on, he'd come out with like sunglasses and his phone out and be recording the crowd. And, you know, he's just all smiles and all fun. And I'm like, I'm so glad that he's still around and is, you know, just seems like he's excited to be uh, a part of Star Wars now as much as he ever was, you know, back in the day. I mean, just like you said with Dave, like it's it never stops being cool, Um, you know, and those are the type of people that I love having involved in Star Wars, because obviously for some people, it's just a job and like that's totally fine. We're glad that you, you know, come and contribute your artistic talents to this franchise that we love, but it's just it's that much more meaningful when the people involved in it, you know, love and care about it as much as we do and are like passionate about it as fans. So, um, yeah, it was just so cool to have him come out and do that. Cause he also said like, it was like an impromptu moment. Like he was running out on stage and heard all the fans cheering and was just like, I'm going to do the Haka. Um, so like, yeah, that was, that was freaking cool. Yeah. It was just great to see, or going to a different topic here, but, uh, you're mentioning the attack of the clones pattern just saying how great it is for these actors to come back and not only just have fun making it, but just seeing the appreciation for the fans and it just really came across. So I think especially for you and, and Hayden to experience this like never before at a star Wars celebration, I think more so with you and just really seeing the love and appreciation the fans have for him as for, for playing Obi-Wan, like you knew he, you know, always he was a star Wars fan first, uh, before he even started playing Obi-Wan. He, he always knew what an honor it was to play the character and to follow Alec Guinness's shoes. But, um, of course, kind of the even talked about even the promotion for Obi-Wan Kenobi during the times of the prequels, getting trashed by critics and certain fans and all that. 
kind of left a bad taste in his mouth, but never regretted doing it or anything like that. But now he's just really seeing the love and appreciation for the fans have for those movies and his portrayal as Obi-Wan. And he just, I think in the Attack of the Clones panel, and even sometimes he just came out for the Star Wars Celebration live stage, just really thanking the fans. And just You could just really see he was taken back by it, just really appreciated the love that was being shown for him. And Hayden, too, just the reaction they got on stage for the panels or the celebration live stage for the stream. It was just incredible to see the amount of appreciation that the fans were giving to both Ewan and Hayden. I'm just like reigniting themselves to probably want to do more Star Wars as well. They keep saying how great it was to come back to film Obi-Wan and just how it just felt natural to be back playing those characters again. Just what a great time they had. And I think experiencing what they experienced that celebration is just going to make them realize that more so and just uh, want to do more um, and if they want to do more, hopefully Lucasfilms <laughs> obliges and do more stories with those characters because we'd love to get as much as long as they want to keep doing them. We're obviously going to want to keep seeing them play those characters as much as possible. So it was just great to kind of see the love all around for the actors coming back who maybe haven't been at a celebration in a long time or have never been to a celebration like you and just kind of really seeing um, the appreciation displayed on there for them was great to see over the course of the celebration weekend. Yeah, and I, I think also Ewan said um, either at a panel or one of the times he was on the Celebration Live stage, he also said like, yeah, it's my first time here at Celebration and it won't be my last. Like after seeing all this mm. and, you know, the love you guys have for for these shows and, you know, just feeling the warm reception, like I'm coming back. Well, and I think that's what I, I think it's what's really interesting is I think a lot of people now Star Wars fans are Star Wars fans and, and there's good and bad. Um, and, and social media is not always going to be the, the be all end all of, of, you know, deciding, you know, if how they are and they definitely have a bad rap. They being, we have a bad rap sometimes and, and, and maybe I'm guilty of it too, uh, you know, but you know, just sometimes being negative and, and being can be brutal. And I think that, but celebration is one of those things where, I, at least for me, and and it's funny because I I went to you know last couple I didn't go to the, you know last one which is a bummer, but when I compare like ideas of like how you know the experiences are really special and I think when people do go they like it you know I mean uh, you know they they actually want to come back and I think it's it's fascinating that I think so a big a, a legit movie star like a Hugh McGregor just felt very, you could just tell, like, from, you know, like you said, kind of, you know, the videos that he just kind of, he randomly just showed, because the thing you talked about, Kyle, he just randomly showed up on the, on the, on the stage. He wasn't planning to be there when he said that. He just jumped on. Like, they were doing something, and he just walked up, and, like, he's like, I, he's like, I just want you to all know, like, that, you know, he just basically said like, how special it was to him. And you could, and you could just tell. I mean, like, and I'm, yeah. I'm a people person, you know, maybe I, I, I people you know who know me well know that I love to read into things too much, and that's just how I am. But I'm I'm usually pretty good about reading people for the most part, and I and 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 I you know I could be wrong from time to time. That to me just screamed genuine joy, and someone who really appreciated what he has from with this, and maybe that he and oh again, and this is me reading into it. There was a sense of he underestimated or maybe like just kind of like, you know, that, that kind of idea of like he did not know and appreciate what he had here 
a little bit and maybe like a little bit of regret that he didn't do it sooner kind of a thing. It felt that's what it felt like to me when he because he just randomly showed up one day like it wasn't planned. It wasn't anything, you know, he just kind of walked up and was like, hey, you know, that's what at least the way I interpret it anyway. And and um, it just it came across so genuine, so and so loving and. And I'll be real. Do I think that he was there or not there, but do I think that he's also got a little bit more uh, financially backing with this being a producer and everything? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I, I'm not going to say that that doesn't play a somewhat of a part into it. I mean, he just had a, another kid, you know, he's in his, in his early fifties and he looks fantastic. And, you know, he probably wants to make sure he's making good financial decisions. I mean, I, I, I totally get it. And, uh, you know, not saying he doesn't need money, but let's be real. I mean, he's he's been divorced. He got remarried. He has a kid and a new, a new child, and he's got to take care of. He's, he wants to take care of his family, and I I think that you know Kenobi is something he wanted to do. He loved the character. It all made sense, et cetera, et cetera. But I think he underestimated, just judging from the way he's reacted, is the way I read people and things like that. I just feel that you could just tell, I think he underestimated everything a little bit and how touched he was. And I think that he, a little bit of regret that he didn't maybe do it sooner. That's just the impression that I get that you could just tell that he said, like, I did not know, but I'll be back, you know, and, and you could say that he'll be back promoting, his, you know, probably for a reason. But I don't think so. I think I think he he saw and sees, wow, like this is special. This is awesome. And even though he had to go on you know, online and, and had to, like, defend you know, um, I forgot the actress, actress's name, but the lady who played Reva and Moses it was fantastic. Ingram. Yeah, Moses Ingram. And he said, you know, his response was so perfect. I thought, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, it, I, I, like, again, I don't want to get into a TLJ thing here, but I never liked how Ryan handled people online. I thought he was a little, I felt like he, like he kind of fed the flames a little bit. And I thought Ewan McGregor's response was so perfect. And so, and so sincere, like it wasn't snarky. It wasn't like, you know, trying to be funny and it, it was very much. No, like, I feel like if you're, you know, and he wasn't like trying to be like, like an a-hole or anything. He, you could just tell he was disappointed. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, man, like, that's how you handle this. Like, cause, cause how much backlash has he gotten from that? None, none whatsoever. I mean, sure. Pockets of idiots here or there. But nothing like I felt like Ryan Johnson did or, you know, really, I felt like, again, in my opinion, really again, my own opinion, he kind of pushed people a little bit more. I thought than he needed to. And I felt Ewan's, Ewan's response was so perfect. And I'm like, man, I think Ewan just gets it. And I think just seeing him, how excited he was with everything. I'm, I just, I think it's great for star Wars. And I think that he's touched. And I think you can just see how excited he was as I think working in star Wars. And I think now I think he appreciates it more than ever now and i think it's great to see that and i i, I love you Ewan mcgregor i've always loved him he's been one of my favorite actors forever and i think he's i i just over the moon with the fact that he's back working as oh back working as obi-wan kenobi and maybe for the foreseeable future for a while yeah i mean i certainly would not mind seeing more of him as obi-wan but heck even if this is the only thing he does as far as you know coming back to play the character again just you know, to have him come back at future celebrations as a guest and get to, you know, just partake in, um, you know, just enjoying Star Wars with the fans and everything. I think, you know, it's, again, it was really cool to just hear him say that, like, you know, that he would be open to that and that after all these years of him, you know, you know, not showing up. And I think you're right, like, 
obviously like he, I think he kind of had a chip on his shoulder because of all the negative backlash from the prequels. And I think this is just kind of like a nice uh, culmination for him because he's talked about over the last few years how he started to feel that love more and that's what motivated him to want to come back to the show in the first place. That he's met people who were kids when the prequels came out that have now grown up and realized like, oh, the audience that we made these movies for actually did connect with that audience. It was just the adults and the, you know, the film critics and sort of the more jaded, like hardcore original trilogy fans that didn't like it. Um, but the kids loved it and they still love it even now as adults. And so I think he's kind of been on that journey of realizing like, oh, people actually did love these movies and did like my performance and stuff like that. But then Celebration was just kind of like, you know, put a bow on all of that, but also like it was probably uh, much bigger than than what he expected. Um, so that was awesome to see. And like I said, with with Tamara Morrison and all these other actors, Pedro Pascal and everybody else, um, it was it was great to see them all talking about how much they love these characters and love being a part of these stories and and love being at Celebration and getting that love from the fans and everything. Um, but going back to that Mando panel, I mean, we talked about what we're looking forward to in Mando season three, but uh, there's a reason they called it the Mando Plus panel. Um, and at the end, like the last 10 minutes or whatever, uh, they talked about Ahsoka. And we know that that show had just started filming. And so Thursday uh, at the Lucasfilm Studio Showcase, they briefly mentioned it, but Rosario Dawson wasn't there because she was still on set filming and she sent like a video message. Um, but then Saturday was when they had the Mando Plus panel. It was the weekend. They had finished filming. So she came out, showed up at the end of that panel. Um, and then they actually showed a little teaser clip uh, or a little, little teaser trailer-ish kind of thing that Dave had put together from, I think they had been shooting like for three weeks at that point. So they had some footage they could show. And we saw some stuff of Ahsoka in costume. Uh, we the, the first shot of that actually is her walking into like a command center on... Maybe it's a like a New Republic um, ship or something like that. It kind of looks like they're walking under the bridge of a Star Destroyer, um, but walking into onto some kind of ship or into some kind of command center or something. And she's walking side by side with Hera, um, which I was not expecting. I mean, we've heard a lot of casting rumors about Obi-Wan and we had been expecting, or about, uh, not Obi-Wan, about Ahsoka. And we had been expecting like Sabine and Ezra and Thrawn. And I figured like maybe we'd see Hera at some point too, but like, the first shot that we see from from Ahsoka being Ahsoka and Hera next to each other, that I was not expecting. Yeah. Um, we just see her from behind, so we don't know who's playing her yet. Although I've heard a lot of speculation that, uh, like we know Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is Ewan McGregor's partner, and they just had a baby together. Um, she was rumored to be in this show, and then Ewan kind of like unofficially confirmed it because he talked about like how, oh, we're just one big Star Wars family now because Mary's in the Ahsoka show. Um, so she could be playing Hera. I think that would be a great casting choice, but it could obviously be somebody else that we don't know yet. Um, so we've got Ahsoka and Hera together. We've got a droid that looks like Hu Yang from Clone Wars. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the same droid or not. But I really I sure, hope it is. I really <laughs> hope it is because I love that character. Never thought we would see him again, but you know, if we do, that would be awesome. Especially if they get David Tennant to voice him again. Like, yep. come on, that would be incredible. Um, and we just see like uh, there's a shot of Ahsoka looking at some like Jedi looking rune kind of things um, and a, a few other things. I mean, it's only like a 30 second clip, um, but it ends with. Well, first of all, it ends with a shot of like Ahsoka pulling her hood back 
And uh, it's interesting because they actually, it looks like have adjusted her look a little bit. Um, maybe in response to some of the fan response from seeing her in season two, or maybe they're just kind of tweaking things as they go. But her leku are a little bit longer now. Um, and the striping pattern looks just like slightly different. I mean, it still looks like Ahsoka. It's like they've just, they kind of touched up the headpiece and did a new version of it for this show. Um, but I thought that was interesting to note that her, her things are a little bit longer now, still not as long as they were like in rebels. And I know, I know they're still kind of like clunky to work with. So again, they're, they're kind of adjusting it for practical reasons. Um, but that was cool to see. And then it goes to the logo and then it cuts back after the logo to a live action shot of like, basically the, the shot from the rebels finale where Sabine is looking at the wall on Lothal with that mural painting of all the ghost crew characters together. And so we see that mural in live action and it pulls out to uh, live action Sabine standing there looking at it. And then they introduced uh, the actress, Natasha Lou Bordizzo, who's playing Sabine. And she came out on stage and got a huge ovation. And, you know, her and Rosario got to talk about um, the work they've been doing on the show so far. Oh, and they also brought out Chopper. So, um, yeah, we've got Ahsoka, we've got Sabine, we've got Chopper, we've got Hera, um, we're all pretty sure that we're going to see Ezra and Thrawn at some point in this show. So the Ahsoka series, even though it's like spinning off of the Mandalorian, it really is more and more sounding like it's just going to be a live action rebel season five. And I'm totally okay yeah. with that. Yeah. Same here. We kept hearing some inklings of that might be the case, especially obviously what was set up in Mandalorian season two in the Ahsoka episode where she names drop name drops Thrawn. I mean, kind of figured that was the direction they were going, but Seeing the footage and seeing what was talked about, I mean, yeah, it's really continuing on that, the Star Wars Rebel series, and it's going to be done in live action. And I know not everyone's excited about that because there's those who just love Star Wars animation, and I get it, but I'm just glad that the story is continuing and it's going to be done in a brand new way and just expanding on what we loved about those characters in animation, but now it's going to be done in live action. And we're kind of talking about this on Twitter too, when celebration was going on, how it's almost kind of like the reverse clone wars where clone wars took characters we knew from the movies and expanded on their characters, gave them more new stories and just made the characters greater. And now the opposite's happening in this area where we're taking an characters who debuted in animation and now we're telling new stories with them in live action. And I think it's going to be the same thing, just telling great new stories, getting more insight into these great characters and just, um, it's going to make them better characters that we already love and we're just going to love them more. So I just can't wait for that story to continue from rebels and mix that in with what looks to be some more Jedi lore too. I mean, obviously, the little teases we got and just in the logo, which like those rune markings, very familiar to the stuff we saw in the world between worlds and that quick mm -hmm. shot we got of Ahsoka looking at that tablet or that uh, those runes it just looked really cool. And it made me think if maybe if it is Hu Yang, if that's why he's involved, maybe he's not so much involved with making lightsabers anymore, but obviously he might be one being who's still around, who knows so much Jedi history that she would, she Ahsoka obviously knows who Yang. She would go to him maybe to kind of examine that type of Jedi artifacts or those certain things. Um, so yeah, just a lot of stuff to look forward to, really, both from just continuing Ahsoka's story um, and just knowing um, what she's or not knowing, but just kind of being hopeful for what was already established in Mandalorian season two and especially the Book of Boba Fett. Um, from what we got in the conversations with her and Luke and 
Oh, this wasn't confirmed. I was hoping this would be confirmed too at Celebration, but it's pretty sure it's going to happen since it was reported from the Hollywood Reporter. That, of course, we know that Hayden Christensen is supposed to be involved with this series too. And I mean, you could just be excited from just what we saw in this quick teaser that we got of just continuing on the stories of Rebels. But knowing that Hayden Christensen is more than likely going to be in it and having that dynamic between Ahsoka and Anakin again, I mean, it's just going to put the show over the top with so much great Star Wars goodness it looks to have. And I can't wait. But yeah, it was a cool surprise because I wasn't expecting to see any footage from it, um, just given how early it was in production. Um, and of course, we didn't see it. It wasn't officially released, so we didn't see it in the best quality. But um, just from the glimpses that we saw, it's shaping up to be really, really cool. But mainly just from the story perspective, how it's going to continue on um, the journey with these characters that we saw from Rebels, and where it's not just going to be um, Ahsoka and, and just Sabine, but, I mean, Hera. And like you said, more than likely Ezra, Thrawn, Chopper is going to be in it. And that was, that was the other shot, too, that I just thought of talking about Hera, where we see someone's hand trying to like force pull a cup or some object on a table mm -hmm. that made me think if it's actually going to be uh, jason sandula we're going to see i was thinking the, the series same also thing. yep and yeah just to throw that in the mix to it too and just how he's going to be if he's going to be involved really with the more force and jedi aspects of the series would, would be cool to see play out as well so yeah soga has a lot going for it um just for the very little that we know officially and what was shown here. But man, it's hard not to be very excited about what uh, the potential that this series has when it finally airs in uh, 2023. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's interesting. We, we were talking before we were, before we started recording, we were talking about Obi-Wan a little bit. And uh, Paul was saying how just seeing more lightsabers on screen with Obi-Wan and Vader um, was making him want, uh, you know, a show where we had more Jedi and Sith and, and, you know, just seeing people fighting with lightsabers and stuff like that. Um, and I was saying like, I think we're, you know, we'll, we'll get that in the acolyte cause we're going to have Sith at least. And I think there might be a point where we maybe see that Sith, like have a lightsaber duel with a Jedi and kill the Jedi. And then the Jedi don't realize that it was a Sith that killed them. Like, obviously the Sith can't be like revealed at this point, but we could still get something where, you know, we get some some Jedi versus Sith action and then it's like covered up or the Sith, you know, kind of cover their tracks or whatever. Um, but I also think we could get to see that in Ahsoka. I mean, if you're going to have Ahsoka and presumably Ezra and then who knows, maybe I mean, how, how old would Jason Sindula be by this point? Because we see him in the um, the that little montage at the end of the Rebels finale looking like he's only maybe like four or five years old. Um but, you know, I mean, Rebels was like the ending was probably a couple years before the original trilogy. And then, you know, now we're five years after and the whole original trilogy takes place, takes place over four years. So, I mean, he could be like 11 or 12 years old at this point. Um, and maybe they're trying to get a lightsaber for him, too. And maybe Ahsoka's trying to train him as a young Jedi or something like that. Or maybe she's going to put him in contact with Luke and we'll see him training with Luke or something. Yeah. Um, or maybe regardless. she's even trying to get like reestablish the gathering in a small way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there's, we're going to see at least a couple force users with lightsabers, if not more. And I think it would be interesting to, you know, they could introduce a new dark side villain. Um, I mean, we've seen all these Jedi that have survived the purge and all these Imperials that are still around. There could be an inquisitor out there somewhere that still survived. Um, I mean, we haven't really seen any Inquisitors in 
Well, I was going to say in canon, I'm, you know, obviously I'm not really up on the comics, but outside of the comics, like in the, the TV shows and the games and stuff, we haven't really seen any Inquisitors around during the original trilogy time period. Um, you know, pretty much after Rebels season two, where they all, you know, the, the main ones that we see in the show all get killed on uh, Malachor. That's like the last time, uh, you know, in the timeline that we've seen Inquisitors, unless there's more in the comics that I don't know about. Um, but we know there's however many, you know, X number brother, this sister, that like there could be a bunch of them out there and they could still keep making up new ones. And so, um, yeah, I don't think it would be beyond the the realm of possibility that there could still be an inquisitor or two kicking around after the fall of the empire. Um, maybe they've also gone to look for Thrawn or maybe Thrawn has come back and found them. And, you know, I think that could make for, uh, you know, some formidable, formidable opponents for Ahsoka and Ezra and whoever else, whoever else we're going to see in this. Yeah, I mean, the potential, the potential is there for so many cool directions that the story can go towards. And I just I can't wait. <laughs> and again, we just really just scratched the surface of what look, the series looks like it's going to entail. And I know they announced that it's going to come in 2023 and we probably won't find out till way later just how many episodes it's going to be. But um, hopefully it's one that's um, a good a good chunk because it looks like there's a lot of stuff that they could cover in this one. We're hoping more Mandalorian episode count with eight and more so in then Obi-Wan 6, I'll just say that. <laughs> Let's hope it follows that trend as far as that episode link. Because I, I know they'll do what's necessary for the story, but just knowing now how it looks to really continue on the story of Rebels, um, it I really hope that they have enough time and room in this. Um, I forget, it wasn't a limited series. I think it was called an event series, <laughs> what they're calling it, um, in the official description from a while ago. So hopefully it's a good amount of, episodes to tell the story they need to tell when you're having all these characters that we're already familiar with um in rebels and just seeing that continue in this series um so yeah just um a lot to look forward to with this one and i'm so glad that it was like an unexpected surprise where i was ex hoping we get a little bit of info like a quick update some casting announcements um and some reports confirmed but the fact that they actually showed footage from it was just great and for those yeah. who are there to experience it firsthand and just had to be blown away by getting a chance to get their first look at the Ahsoka series and seeing those characters from Rebels um, in live action for the first time. It just had to be such a trip and just a, such a great moment for everyone to be there in that room to experience. So, yeah, just good on Dave for never failing to deliver the goods when it comes mm. to these <laughs> celebration panels or whatever panels he does, because he's done some great stuff at Comic-Con with the Clone Wars revival. So yeah. Dave yeah. Filoni never disappoints when Dave's, it's a panel featuring one of his series. Dave's always got something up his sleeve. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're totally right, because I thought that we might get like some production stills or some screenshots um, or at least like an image of Ahsoka in costume or something like that. I was not expecting... Uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't a full-blown trailer, but like, yeah, I wasn't expecting to get any kind of footage from this. Um, and I mean, if we did, I would have expected it at the Lucasfilm Studio Showcase because I thought this panel was all going to be about Mando Plus or about the Mandalorian. Silly me. I thought they just called it Mando Plus because it's on Disney Plus. Like, <laughs> I did not go into this expecting, oh, we're going to get more, you know, hear them talk about more shows than just the Mandalorian. Again, I should have known better knowing Dave. But it's like, 
See, it's hard because like before The Mandalorian came out, they were so secretive about it. And this is the first celebration that we've had since Mandalorian's been out because of COVID. And so it's like, yeah, you're used to Dave showing all these trailers and clips and having all these surprises. But at the same time, like they're so secretive about these shows nowadays. And so like, I didn't get my hopes up, especially with the Mandalorian panel. I was not like, oh, we're going to get some Ahsoka footage at the end of this and have, you know, Chopper and Sabine come out on stage. Um, but it was just an awesome way to end that panel. And, uh, you know, it was just one of the coolest surprises of the whole weekend. Yeah, real quick, just going back to the last shot of that footage. I mean, obviously, from what we've seen, the quality was not very good, but I did think it looked great to seeing that mural artwork of the characters from Rebels it's looking exactly mm -hmm. how it did in the series, but seen in a live action. It just, I think it, they pulled it off really well as far as not being awkward or not or feeling off that you're seeing animated designs mixed in with live action because obviously it's artwork so yeah it could be a little exaggerated um than being totally realistic but i thought it worked really well for keeping that same animated art style look that we saw in rebels but just it's a piece of art now in live action it looked really cool I, that's one shot i really can't wait to see um when they do officially release the trailer whatever that comes out or just even if they don't put that shot in the trailer, if it, when we see it in the series, it's going to be really cool to see that, have that connection between live action and animation from these from these characters. It's just really cool. But even from that bad bootleg quality, I thought they pulled it off really, really well, just having it feel natural. Yeah, and I even saw, I saw a little bit better version of just that shot going around on Twitter. Like people were just sharing, like they had taken pictures of just that final, that final scene. Um, and so I thought that that was maybe like a still that they had shown. And then I found the whole trailer and saw that that was like the final shot of it. So, um, yeah, that's going to be really cool to see. And you're right. Like it's, um, you know, like it's because even in Rebels, that mural is not it's not done in the style of the Rebels characters. It's done in like Sabine's art style. Um, and so, yeah, like you can perfectly translate that into live action as just a piece of 2D art. Um so, uh, yeah, that, that was really cool to see. I mean, there's, and you were right, Tim, like there's so much they can do with this show too, because not only are there so many characters and plot lines and stuff from Rebels to continue, but also we know that this is kind of spinning off from the Mandalorian as well. And I'm not expecting like Mando and Grogu to play a huge role in this show, but they definitely could connect some story threads oh. and, and things to things that we've seen in the Mandalorian. Connect so. some story threads. <sighs> Here we go. I'm not even getting in this debate with you again. Um, oh, 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 I see how it is. I yes. see how in in terms of oh, I don't know, uh, Thrawn showing up in Ahsoka, connecting to the other Imperial remnants that we've seen in the Mandalorian and the the general state of the galaxy. Those kind of plot. Points. Oh, 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 other plot points like Grogu learning the ways of the Force through Ahsoka. Got it. Got it. Okay. Got you. I'm glad we I'm glad we established this. Um. Yeah, uh, I thought that um, personally uh, that Ahsoka did barely anything, but did a lot at the same time. I uh, basically establishing the fact that this is Rebel season like sequel is rad, like straight up is rad. Yeah. Um, you know, I it's funny because I, I I do underestimate how I think so. I, I, I underestimate a little bit of Rebels that how people do love that show and that series. And the thing is, I love those that series too, but 
I always love the Clone Wars more. I just think it's a, it looks better, and there's a n- number of different reasons why, but it's fascinating because, like, I you know, there, there's a lot of people out there who like it, you know, and I think that it's, uh, I, I sometimes, I underestimate how people, and, and, and that show in general, to be honest, because um, it is a great show. I, I, I've been rewatching a little bits and pieces here or there with my daughter. Around funny, 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 right? Um, but when I do, I'm reminded of how good it is. Um, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of season two uh, for them overall, even though I think season two obviously ends on an amazing note. Uh, but season one has some really great moments. And obviously Dave Filoni is, is the main, I think, you know, one of the main reasons why. Not the only reason, but the, one of the main reasons. And uh, yeah, the, how, how it, that, that fourth season is phenomenal. I think the fourth season is some of the best Star Wars movie maybe ever, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. But it's an episode there. anyway, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, uh, and I think one of the things that I think we underestimate the fact that Dave Filoni has managed to, I think, like, again, nothing's flawless as far as, like, everyone loving it. And it's almost impossible. But he's done a great job encompassing Star Wars, but also kind of having they're like doing new things too. Like Ahsoka or excuse me, um, what he was able to do in rebels is really broaden the force. I think more than anyone's ever could think of. Right. And so I don't know, like I, I just really impressed with it. And he, it doesn't seem like he's going to be, sh- you know, shying away from that. in and uh, Ahsoka and the fact that it's called rebels, you know, the rebel sequel is, is a pretty big, it's a big deal. So um Yeah. I'm a, I mean, I'm all in, man. I, I can't wait. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have talked about this. I was, I was gone for a second, but, uh, you know, obviously Ewan's wife, is she Hera? I mean, it, it definitely seems like they're saving that. Yeah, point. that's, we, we mentioned that, like, that's kind of the, the going speculation, but that's really all we have to go on. Cause I mean, she's the only like female actress that we know has been cast that we don't know who she's playing yet. Um, so she could just as easily be a new character and there's somebody else that we don't know who's playing Hera, but, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I, I just think that Soka is going to be the show that I'm probably, like you said, like I'm one of the more hyped for that. Um, I might for all these Star Wars shows, man, but I am really, um, I'm really excited to see Ahsoka or, and see where they go and how, you know, basically how Ahsoka's going to train Grogu. I'm really excited about that too. <laughs> Well, uh, you might be a little disappointed on that front, Paul. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But I think, yeah, right. I mean, I, I would say for me, Mando is my most anticipated upcoming Star Wars project right now. And Ahsoka is right below that. Um, I've loved her so far in, you know, everything we've seen her in. And even, I mean, I, I guess we've only seen her in two episodes, but I feel like, um, I mean, Rosario Dawson is already just, you know, she nails that character so well. And she's another one that you can tell, like, takes it really seriously, like loves the source material, like takes it as a, a big responsibility that she's carrying on this character that so many people already love. Um, there was another video, I forget if it was on this panel or when she was on the celebration stage or something, but at some point over the weekend, I saw a video of her and she was talking about how like she would watch Clone Wars and Rebels and see all these cool like lightsaber moves that Ahsoka would do. And so then she'd be like with the stunt coordinator on the Ahsoka series, like training for a fight. And she'd be like, okay, well, like in the animated series, Ahsoka does this. So like, can I do this? And they're like, no, like that's animation. That wouldn't actually be physically possible for you to do that with your body, (laughs) but we can do something kind of like it, or, you know, use that for inspiration or whatever. So, um, 
you know, again, just, and I, I think she said that like, even before she was cast, she had like watched Clone Wars with her kid or something like that. But yeah, um, to see her going back and, you know, just drawing inspiration from that to the point that she's trying to do the same moves and the same mannerisms and stuff. Cause I could tell she was doing that even when she shows up in, uh, in book of, especially in book of Boba Fett. Um, the the one episode where she's on the planet with uh with Luke and where Mando shows up and she's talking to him and there's just certain things in like the way that she moves her mannerisms the way that she says certain things that I'm like I can't even put my finger on it it's not like it's a one-to-one like oh Ahsoka moved like that in this one Clone Wars episode or she this is how she said this one line in Clone Wars but it's like you can tell that she's been studying that because there's something in the back of my brain that goes like that's not just somebody in an Ahsoka costume like that is Ahsoka um and so i i love that she's been you know putting that much kind of effort and dedication into it just in the couple appearances that she's had so far so i can't wait to see the way that she just takes it and runs with it having her own show now but um yeah so we've got you know Andor, mando ahsoka and then the one last live action project that we'll talk about is the new series they announced called star wars skeleton crew um now this is the one that we had heard rumored before Uh, We didn't have a title for it, but I think it was under the name um, Grammar Rodeo. That was uh, kind of like the the running like code name for it. Um, And it was the one that was supposed to be, uh, some people had described it as like a Star Wars version of Stranger Things. Other people, you know, just mentioned it being kind of like influenced by like those 80s coming of age stories and, you know, like E.T. and the Goonies and stuff like that. The same kind of things that Stranger Things takes a lot of inspiration from. Um, where the main cast is going to be a bunch of kids that I believe they're still casting for right now. We found out from uh, this announcement, they talked about this at the this Lucasfilm Studio Showcase panel on that Thursday. Um, they have cast Jude Law in it. Um, as an adult, obviously, we still don't know who any of the, the kid actors are going to be. Um, but they mentioned, I don't remember if they made a, a direct connection to Stranger Things, but they did mention that like, it's going to be a show with a, a cast like the main characters are going to be kids but that doesn't mean it's a kids show and you know it's still going to be exciting and you know engaging for adults and there's still going to be like dark and scary stuff and you know um whatever else they've got going on on this adventure and it was funny like Dave Filoni was sitting there on the panel and it was like kind of compared it to Clone Wars how like they would say the same thing about Clone Wars where like it's a cartoon and kids like it but it's not a kids show like look at all the people we decapitated in Clone Wars and then John Favreau was like hey I take that personally um <laughs> or something like that but um yeah so I mean this one sounds interesting we don't know a lot about it we we got like all they all they sort of officially revealed was that Jude Law is in it and uh we got like a title reveal of not just the title of the show but they you know like a logo graphic um, so we've got an image for that, but like, they haven't even started shooting yet. So, uh, we don't really know much about it. Although we do know that, uh, the showrunner is going to be, uh, John Watts who, um, you know, directed all the MCU Spider-Man films. Um, and it's funny cause he was attached to, wasn't he supposed to direct like fantastic four Fantastic four yeah. for Marvel? Yeah. And then he, he just recently dropped out and then it's like, oh, it's cause he's doing star Wars now. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, good for him. I think, you know, that's another, uh, you know, sort of big get as far as um, well-known, you know, Hollywood directors and producers that we've got working on these Star Wars series. So hopefully he does a good job with it. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm obviously going to watch it when it comes out, but we don't have a whole lot right now to really chew on as far as details or stuff to get us really hyped. Well, but, uh, we do have some we do have some uh, concept art 
And I, this is one show. You're that, right. I totally forgot about the concept art. It, but but you know what? I mean, was it like mesmerizing? No, but there, yeah. there was. I think it was just it was just one piece, right? That was showing like right, these right, kids right, right. about to get on a ship. So, but there was a, the one thing I'll say. Because we all could argue that every one of these things is like the underrated, uh, the you know, the sleepers Star Wars hit, right? Like, this is going to be the sleeper Star Wars hit, guys. And or, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. That's going to be actually, it's actually going to be uh, Ahsoka. Wait, hold on. Is it Mandalorian? Is it, you know, it, you can always say that for almost all these episodes, right? The one thing I will say, I don't want to be an echo of that, of like of, of saying the same thing over and over again for uh, these, each show. But the one thing I'll say for Skeleton Crew that I think is really interesting is I think that Skeleton Crew itself is a really interesting idea in a sense where you're having this this coming of age story that Star Wars, um, you know, hasn't really we haven't really seen a lot of. And I think that it's 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 weird. We haven't we've, we got Stranger Things and, and whatever, but. That's some of the, you know, back in the 80s, there were those were like dime a dozen, right? You yeah. had, you know, you had Monster Squad, Goonies, you had Explorers, you had, those are three off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones that I'm forgetting too. Um, you know, in the, in the 90s, you had a little bit of that too, with obviously with, um, you had the Sandlot and other, you know, all kinds of, you know, Disney did a great job. I'm not, I wasn't Disney, Sandlot wasn't Disney, obviously, but. You get what I'm saying. There's a lot. There is a there is a a market, and I say market from I think financially and I think artistically to tell these kinds of stories, and and that's the one thing I think that maybe we kind of forget as adults, and I think in general, is that you know when you're watching these things, that you know what like this is actually these are you know, these are family films, man, and I've been saying that you know a lot all over the place for these uh, you know for these shows. And I think this only embodies that more than I think than all of them, because it is about, you know, younger kids. And one of the things that I, I always forget about is, uh, you know, when, 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 when commercials for toys, right. When they, when they, uh, cast kids, they don't cast kids, the, 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 the demographic they're going for necessarily. They, they, they cast older kids. Because it makes, because because little kids always look up to older kids, and I'm like, huh, yeah, that's right, and you know, and, and obviously people they 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 identify with people their age, but if you get a preteen, like let's say between eleven and thirteen, I mean that is like the ripe age for like you're almost that is a perfect like casting for for a character because you're you know for for families because it transcends all different almost demographics for like the kid demographic, you know, the younger kids will still look up to them and the older kids can somewhat identify with them because they, they're either going through it themselves or they just went through it. Right. You know, only if you're a jaded, like 18 year old, like too cool for school kid, you know, is what I would say is a, it doesn't really hit, but either way, they're never, never going to make those goth kids happy. Uh, but uh, anyway, I digress. But the thing is, I think Skeleton Crew is going to have a big hit with families, and I think that's the one thing you want to really don't underestimate. And you, know, you, never, you never can tell what's going to be huge with with, fam, you know, with Star Wars, and you can never predict this stuff, right? But the one thing I will say, I think Skeleton Crew has potential to be uh, one of the bigger shows. I think, I, I again, I think like something like Andor could be like a, a fan favorite 
it won't be like the predominantly favorite maybe of all the overall Star Wars, you know, including the mainstream audience. But I think the skeleton crew could be that almost like that bridge between like a Mandalorian and an Andor a little bit because it's going to have a little bit more of a fun like vibe to it, but it's probably going to deal with hopefully some serious subject matter. And I say I'm pretty confident in that because I've seen Cop Car, which is by uh, John Watts. And he before he did Spider-Man films, he did this, this movie about these two young kids that I think that sounds like, honestly, uh, around the same age as what the, the characters in the show are going to be. And they steal a cop car. And that sounds stupid and ridiculous. I did thought so, too, but I gave it a whirl because Kevin Bacon's in it. It's a good movie. I ain't going to lie. It's really good, actually. Um, way better than I thought it was going to be. And it makes sense. And it's a small little film that's filmed literally like in like probably Montana or something like that. And you can see it and it, it, it's shot beautifully. And John Watts is a great director. I mean, he directed, I think, two really great films. Um, the, no Way Home wasn't great, but that's not because of him, I don't think. But uh, anyway. You mean Far From Home? Oh, yeah. Far from yeah, home, I was going to say, no way, no way. It wasn't great. <laughs> no, no, no. No Way Home is incredible. Um, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. I, I think and he obviously can get kids. He's, he's you know, even though I wouldn't call Tom Holland and Zendaya kids, even when they did freaking uh, Homecoming. Um, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, I, I just think John Watts is perfect for this. After watching Cop Car and those films, I'm actually glad he's not doing Fantastic Four. I think Fantastic Four needs a little bit of fresh take, to be honest. And I think that John Watts doing Star Wars is what we need. And I think it's really cool because you you could tell that he probably jumped off Fantastic Four because he really wanted to do the Star Wars stuff. And I'm sure he's a big Star Wars fan. And uh, yeah, I think I think with casting Jude Law, a phenomenal actor, um, you know, I, I'm really excited what they're going to do. The one thing I, I worry about is they they need to go find the bridge of between uh, Kenobi and Andor because the one thing that I really like about um, uh, Kenobi is that it is family, it's family friendly, but again, we talk about the budget, whatever, you know, or at least what it, lo- it feels like a TV budget. They need to figure out because I think that if you, if you have kids that's on like desolate planets, a bunch, it's going to get boring fast. If you get, if you put them on exotic areas and I think that whole fish out of water aspect that I think that they're going to be doing, that makes it a lot more exciting. And I think that as long as they keep the the budget up of the aesthetics around them and like have the the uh, planets they go on exotic, I think it's going to be a success. It's going to be a giant hit, in my opinion. I, I if they go cheap and they and I say go cheap, meaning they just do like location shooting completely and it's just like rural, like sand sandy beaches and uh, you know uh, sand everywhere and like a couple structural things and in volume shooting. It all the time, and it, you know what I mean. Like, it's, if it if it really skips out on the the location uh, budgets, it's it may not be as successful. If it goes Andor and it makes it feel bigger than it, you know, and feel exotic a little bit, that Andor kind of gives us, I think it's going to be a, a giant hit. But we'll see. Either way, I think it's in good hands because John Watts is a great director. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, you mentioned it kind of being a sleeper hit or one that's kind of under people's radars right now. And I think that's just because of like, as of right now, we still don't have a whole lot of details about it. Um, But I think, I think as we get closer to when this was releasing, and I forget if they said, is this one also releasing in 2023? Yeah, I believe they did. Okay, because if it is, then it's, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be like, 
end of the year if it doesn't end up getting pushed back to, you know, 2024, just because like they're still casting at this point. So, um, you know, I would think like we're getting Mando season three in February. We'll probably get Ahsoka sometime in the summer and then we'll probably get this one like November, December timeframe would be my guess. Um, But once it gets closer to release and we see trailers for it and stuff, I think just because, you know, again, like, yeah, it's not a show just for kids, but having kids being the main characters, knowing that kids and families are going to be a big part of the audience, I would expect the trailer to be a little bit more flashy and action packed and kind of giving you more of a sense of like the adventure that the characters are going to go on more so than something like Andor where the, the trailer is very sort of like atmospheric and just sort of the vibes of like the the setting and the time period and the political atmosphere and stuff like that. Um, and I think, yeah, something like Andor is going to be a little bit more of sort of like a, like a, I don't know if it'll be a slow burn, but like more of a political thriller, you know, with like espionage and, and stuff like that, uh, political intrigue. Um, whereas this, I think is going to be a lot more kind of edge of your seat, you know, action and thrill rides and, and stuff like that. Um, and again, you know, just think of the hype around something like Stranger Things, which, you know, immediately captivated people back in its first season. And now every time a season comes out, it's one of the biggest shows of the year. So um, I think if they can sort of capture some of that magic without it making without making it look too derivative, which like I don't think it will because it's going to be about kids in Star Wars stealing a spaceship and going off on an adventure in space. So nobody's going to look at that and go, oh, they're just ripping off Stranger Things. Um But, you know, sort of capturing that same kind of vibe of just the dynamic between the characters, a little bit of that like 80s movies kind of nostalgia, um, I think could be something that really draws people in and gets people really excited for it once we kind of get a taste of what the series is really going to be about. I just think for for me and probably for a lot of other people, it's just kind of on the back burner right now for me, just because we've got so much else to look forward to before that comes out. Yeah, and... I agree with pretty much everything you guys said about the series and why it sounds like it could be something cool and different uh, for Star Wars, which is enough to be excited about. But the one question I had, and we talked about this a little bit, Paul, when we were discussing the Vanity Fair article where this series was uh, first announced. The title wasn't announced, but the premise and John Watts being involved was first revealed in Vanity Fair. But one of the questions I had was, are the kids we're going to follow, are they going to be Jedi at all? Is it going to be something a little bit like the Clone Wars Gathering episode? But um, judging by what they talked about here at Celebration, um, doesn't look like to be the case. It's just going to be um, some normal kids out in the galaxy without force powers. Unless, or maybe one of them will be. Maybe they don't know it yet. Maybe that'll be their one character who has a connection to the force. We'll see. But um, I don't think it needs to be, though. Um, it was something I was curious about, but never thought, oh, it should be where it's Jedi children lost or what character has to be force sensitive or anything like that. Um, but it's, on its own, this is a premise that we know about here. Children lost in the galaxy trying to make their way back home and having, a mix, I imagine, at least one of those kids, because I think of the concept art is just four kids that you see the silhouettes of. I would imagine one of them would be an alien species um, just to mix it up a bit. And that would make things more fun too. <laughs> so um, we'll see kind of what direction and the reasoning for them being lost in space and what happens um, for them that prevents them from getting home right away. Cause I'm sure they're going to get involved in some type of conflict, but um, yeah, the comparisons everyone's making to it, like stranger things and the early Amblin movies from the eighties 
about these coming of age uh, kids stories. I mean, those are all great and they're considered classics for reasons. So if they can capture that into a story set in the Star Wars universe, I mean, sign me up for that because I love those movies growing up and still continue to enjoy them as an adult. So like you said, Paul, it could be a series that's just going to be great for um, all families, no matter the age group. So yeah, this was definitely cool to get a little more details about and find out when it's coming and get the title. So definitely another one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, you know, just real quick on the note of um, sort of groups of Jedi kids and like family focus up. There's actually one other Star Wars project that, that was announced at Celebration. I knew I was forgetting one because this one really did kind of fly under the radar. And I, I don't even remember if they had a whole panel for this or I don't remember where this was announced, but it was announced at some point during that weekend that they're also doing a uh, another animated series called uh, Star Wars. I believe it's Young Jedi Adventures. Um and that one is, so that's an animated series. It's going to be aimed more at young kids. Um, I think they mentioned like preschool age, um, but it's going to be following the adventures of like a group of young Padawans and it's set during the High Republic. So it's like 200 years before the prequels, but it did remind me of like the, the gathering arc from Clone Wars where I don't know if you guys remember, but like back in the day, I think they did a test screening of that yeah. arc at Celebration 6, and they were considering spinning that off into its own series, like focused at, you know, aimed at, at younger audiences. Um, so I think they're kind of like recycling that idea and bringing that around, but just doing it during the High Republic instead of the Clone Wars. Um, and I believe they said that that's coming out on Disney Plus and also either like Disney Junior or like the YouTube Kids channel or something like that. Um, so it'll be, you know, somewhere that's aimed more at young kids, but I believe that will also be on Disney plus. Um, so I just wanted to mention that real quick while we were on the subject of, of kid focused shows, cause that made me think about that as we were talking about, you know, this potentially being a group of young Jedi kids, which I also think would be cool because it could tie into Luke's Jedi Academy that he's starting during this time. Cause they said this is set around the same time period as the Mandalorian. And so, um, like, I don't think... I don't know if this is going to be necessarily like a spinoff or if these characters are going to be introduced in Mando season three or Ahsoka or if it's going to be like directly tied to those stories, but it's at least going to be in the same time period. And so if, you know, at least one of those kids is force sensitive, they could end up with Luke by the end of the show. And, you know, we've see, we see him building his temple now. Now we got to see him start, you know, going out and recruiting some young Jedi and some students to teach. So um, it'll be interesting to see what, if any, connections end up being there. But um, yeah, definitely one to, to keep an eye out for in the future. Um, but before we get into all the other animated series, let's talk for a second about Star Wars Jedi Survivor, uh, which is, you know, we now we know the official title for the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. Um, that is also going to be coming out in 2023. They haven't announced an exact release date yet. Um, but, you know, we were kind of hoping it would come out by the end of this year, but then heard rumors it might be getting pushed back. So I would expect this probably early 2023 at least i hope you know maybe like february or march in fact they may want to release it um sort of alongside the premiere of mando season three um because the first jedi fallen order launched like the same week that mando season one came out back in 2019 so um you know they usually try to coincide the the big game releases with the big show or movie releases to just kind of capitalize on all the star wars hype at the same time um, 
So it would be nice if it was February, but maybe it'll be, you know, a month or two later. Um, but we got a trailer for this as well. And I was kind of worried, like, because we kept hearing reports from, like, gaming insiders that, uh, you know, the Jedi Fallen Order sequel is getting announced at Celebration, and yet there was no panel for it. Um, and so I was like, you know, are we going to get this or not? I was kind of mentally preparing myself to be disappointed. Um, but during the, just the Star Wars Celebration live show there on their live, the, the, like, streaming stage, um, it's funny, you know, they had had all these different guests come out and like it was Anthony Carboni and Andy Gutierrez and they're interviewing Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor and everybody. And they had one segment where it was just Anthony Carboni interviewing uh, BD-1, you know, the, the droid from Fallen Order. And he's like, oh, BD-1, you brought something to show us. And, you know, they showed the um, the trailer right there. So there was no panel talking about it, you know, to give more details and stuff. And the trailer itself is kind of... I don't know, it looks kind of mysterious. I mean, it's definitely like a first look teaser trailer. It doesn't give away a whole lot. Um, but yeah, we no see, gameplay footage or anything. Yeah, no gameplay footage, which I wasn't expecting because, I mean, that was kind of the same thing with uh, the first Jedi Fallen Order. Like at Celebration, they still, they showed like an anime, uh, a cinematic like story trailer. And then um, at E3, like a month later was when they showed the first gameplay trailer. Of course, there's no E3 this year. So who knows when we're going to, you know, see gameplay for this. Um, but probably a little bit later anyway, since it's not coming out till next year. But in this trailer, um, you know, you see the interior of the Mantis, which is the ship from the first game. And it looks like it's crashed on some desert planet. Um, kind of starting off with like this ominous feeling that, um, I don't know, you see a lot of video game sequels do. I mean, it, it, the first one that comes to mind for me is Mass Effect 2, where like you blow <laughs> up the, the Normandy at the, yeah. at the beginning of the game. And so, and obviously the ship looked intact, but just the fact that it's crashed and it's empty uh, makes me wonder, like, is something bad going to happen to the ship at the beginning of the game? Or is just like, are the, the main crew, are they going to kind of be scattered and you have to kind of work on your own for part of the game? Or maybe it's about reconnecting with your allies. Um, but a lot of games like that, you know, they'll do something to kind of like, shake up the sort of the paradigm from the end of the last game and you know it's like oh you know it ended where everybody was together and everything was great and now it's like to start off the second one okay now we got to kind of shake things up and scatter everybody or crash the ship or you know whatever um something to kind of just you know shake things up you know throw you uh kind of off base you know kind of throw a wrench in your plans from what you expected and then kind of make you go from there so um, and uh, like, even like Cal is the only character in the trailer that we see that we recognize from the first game. So, you know, I'm sure we'll see all the same characters, uh, you know, Seer and Grease and Trilla, um, or not Trilla, Marin. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see all those guys in there again, but you know, again, maybe they'll, they'll have to split up or maybe they'll get captured or scattered or something will happen. And then Cal has to like reconnect with them throughout the game. Um, or maybe something happens later, like, I don't know. But it, it just kind of gave those ominous vibes right off the bat. And then we see this mysterious new, I'm assuming he's a villain, you know, this mysterious guy sitting there, he's a, a Utapauan. Um, and my first thought was like, oh, is that the Grand Inquisitor? But no, he definitely looks sort of yeah. older and more, um, I don't know. He's he's not a, uh, not a, a sort of, athletic Jedi hunter like the Inquisitors. This is a guy who kind of sits in the shadows and schemes and he's a bit, you know, kind of older and more sullen looking. 
Um, but he's kind of surprising to see though, because this was coming off the premiere episodes of Obi Wan. Yeah, knowing that the Grand Inquisitor was just stabbed. Yeah, it was just weird to see that you know right at the same time. Like that was just the first thing that came to mind. But it's it's pretty (laughs) evident this is a new character. Um, You know, and very like ominous, mysterious kind of character. He's kind of sitting at his desk. He has Cal Kestis's lightsaber in a box, and he's like stroking it with his like long fingers, and he's like. You know, what's your next move, Jedi, and that kind of thing. Um, But we also see Cal at one point, you know, still having his lightsaber and he's fighting, uh, you know, some new villain that has a red lightsaber. We can't really see who it is. I've heard some speculation that it could be Maul and that maybe, you know, they could use this game to kind of show what Maul is up to in this at this point in the timeline, which I would Kind of, actually, you know, I like that theory because one thing that I think we'll see more of in the game is just kind of like him dealing with the criminal underworld. Because if you remember from the first game, there's like that um, that one crime syndicate or whatever that Grease has like that gambling debt with. And they're the ones that send all those bounty hunters after you. After I was like, just thinking about that whole level, the arena, yeah. right? Because you, you get, yeah, you get captured like halfway through the game. You're in this arena and then it, you never actually meet the uh, the main like crime boss guy. He's just there via hologram kind of like, um, you know, announcing the whole like arena match. And then you escape at the end and he's like, oh, you know, we'll get you. You haven't seen the last of the, I forget what the name of like the that syndicate is. Um, and then they're sending bounty hunters after you the whole rest of the game that you have to fight like as little mini bosses. But like that storyline never really gets resolved or you never meet that guy. And so I was like, they definitely could explore more of that in the second game. And you might have to actually confront that guy. Um, and I was even wondering if that might be who that Utapowan was, but I'm pretty sure it's not. But I don't really remember what that guy looked like in the first game. Um, but regardless, I'm like, if you're dealing with, you know, some different criminal syndicates and stuff like Crimson Dawn could certainly be involved in that. And maybe you will end up coming face to face with Maul. And I think that would be kind of cool, but it also could be, uh, you know, just another inquisitor or some other kind of, you know, dark side villain that you're, uh, that they're introducing for the first time. Um, and then, you know, at the end, uh, you see Cal and BD one in this mysterious looking like lab or something. And there's like somebody floating in a tank, and, um, you know, like, I have no idea who it's supposed to be, but, you know, it's kind of reminiscent of like the kind of stuff we've seen with like Snoke um, and like the cloning stuff in the Mandalorian. But also it's like, we don't know, like, is this a clone? Is this a just somebody suspended in stasis? But I have a feeling that whoever this is, is going to be some kind of important character. And I think it's going to play into the title, because if you think about it, like, you know, the, the first game was Jedi Fallen Order and for the second game to just be called Jedi Survivor, I think if that just refers to Cal being a survivor of the Jedi Purge, I think that's, you know, it's like you could do better than that for a title. Like, it's not disappointing, but it's just kind of like plain and straightforward. It's like, yeah, we know he's a survivor, but I think this character in particular might also be a survivor either of the Jedi Purge or it could be some ancient person that's been there for who knows how long and survived something else. Um... But I think, you know, and and this is, you know, a lot of speculation based on just like a minute long little teaser trailer. But um, whoever this is, you know, suspended in this tank at the end, I think this could maybe be a survivor of something that the trail that the the title is referring to and uh, could end up playing a pretty big role in the story. Um, So, you know, again, not a lot of uh, 
not a lot of details so far as far as what we can expect and, you know, no gameplay or anything, but um, just a very sort of mysterious, tantalizing teaser trailer that I want to know more about. I think that this trailer was very interesting and in that it like you kind of talked about and I I'm not a gamer at all so I I'm very much not in tune with this stuff but as far as you know the whole idea of flipping the script and how I love the beginning to be honest the fact that the ship they're on is now abandoned and it's basically saying like you're what you thought you could rely on is you know, I'm again just paraphrasing what the what I got out of that whole scene and everything was that you can't rely you can't rely on these you know uh, this team or these people you're a part of that you know your past is going to catch up to you kind of a thing and I thought that was interesting um, because Jedi Outcast is about that, right? About running away from your past a little bit. And I think that I don't, I wouldn't call this, I wouldn't say it was, um, uh, like redundant because I think, you know, the, the thing is he, it's reality, right? Like, I think that, I think the name of the show of the game itself is interesting. Jedi survivor. So the fact that, yes, he's moved on, he's moved on emotionally, but the universe around him hasn't moved on. It's, he has to keep going. And I love that. Um, I I think Jedi Outcast um, is uh, maybe one of the best uh, Star Wars stories. You know, wait, are you talking about Jedi Fallen? Are you talking about Jedi Fallen? Oh, I meant Fallen. I meant Fallen. I said Outcast. I apologize. I'm sorry. Just so many Jedi things. Come on now. That's a good game Um, too. (laughs) Yeah, true. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, but Jedi Fallen Order um, is such a great. um, It's the ending's incredible. The ending is incredible, and. It, it may be my favorite, one of my favorite Star Wars endings ever. Maybe. I think it, it was beautifully written. I thought it was from someone who really loves story and, and things like that. I, I just, I thought it was really a, 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 a great idea. And I think what is interesting is that where you leave off all these characters and how they're, you know, because remember, don't just forget about, you know, uh, Cal. You also remember, uh, um, oh my God, I forgot her name, the Night Sister. She represents, you know, her last of her kind too, as far as we know. And what does that mean? Um, you know, and that's one of the cool things I thought was interesting about the sh- about the the game is that, it from the lore standpoint of Star Wars, there's a lot you can do with it. And so I I really do hope one of my my biggest uh, uh, things that I want to see out of it is that I think the Night Sisters get somewhat not resurrected, but there's some kind of hint of where they might go you know what i mean like there might be a hint of you know they might be coming back and how what, what's her name is that it's not sin what, what's her name no um, it's uh marin marin i'm not yeah marin uh i love uh, yeah i love the name i'm so bad with names but marin's such a great character i really think that they could i really hope they do something with her and, and how she helps maybe start a new night sisters you know who knows i, I don't know but going you know Everything looks great as far as like the, the story aspects, which I've been I was impressed with the game last time, and this is kind of doesn't give me a whole bunch, but gives me enough to I like where they're headed thematically, and I do think what's interesting, everyone goes to the whole clone idea, which is not the the wrong thing to do with this idea of the uh, of um, of this character in, in the in the back, uh, back to tank. I think it's I personally think my my guess is it's a it's a character that is. Uh, either I wouldn't say ancient, but has been put on ice uh, a little bit and yeah. like and, and maybe forgot about. 
um, I keep going back to that Soul uh, Vader run where they have that that Jedi is in this weird purgatory kind of thing. And I don't think that's what it is, but that whole idea of like this random Jedi just out there, like who's away from everything and he's pretty BA, you know? Like I wonder if it's some it's gonna be something like that where he finds something, a survivor, and then he unleashes them into Jedi, but he, you know, instead of like we're gonna team up and we're gonna make things right, we're gonna, you know, whatever, he has the exact opposite. He goes dark and he has to fight this guy at the end where he thought he could identify with them. They're both surviving, and he has to end up fighting him, you know, against someone of his own kind that he never thought he would have to. I think that's where it might be going a little bit because the whole emphasis of running away again, that you're losing your, you're losing the loved ones around you, your family, the whole ship thing. You're finding this new guy in a back to tank. Uh, I think this new character is going to be probably my guess is, you know, right here. Here's my receipt. I think it's going to be a Jedi that like that maybe we don't know about, or is that we'll find out more of. And he's going to be this character that is, um, going to be at first an ally and then at the very end we're going to have to fight him because he's going to get really powerful in the dark side and it's going to be a real emotional battle because they're going to be connecting throughout the whole game you're not going to see the turn there's going to be a turn and you're going to have to fight him and you're like oh man it's going to suck so that's what I'm going to do I, that's my money there's a receipt here's your receipt here's your sign there you go well you kind of just but you kind of just described Terran Malikos from the first game no, because he didn't know that guy. Yeah, but I don't know. You, but, you but, still both kind of bond over, you know, being Jedi survivors, except, you know, he's gone the, down this dark path of survival and but, doing whatever it takes. and everything. But, but. Nah, but see, but that, but that character, I again, this is my opinion. I never got that impression like you guys connected. You know, like I thought I always hey, thought. Not like, like oh, on an emotional level. I'm talking about just in terms of having that sort of similar experience. No, 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 but that's different though, because they had similar experiences. But like, I liked, so I like that guy too, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I do too. Cool. He's my uh, favorite uh, boss fight in that game. But well, where, where, yeah, where he was a, oh, I hated playing him. Oh, my. He was harder than like, I thought Vader and, and like the fight and the sister. I thought he was the hardest guy. To be, be no, honest. I still um, think that final fight with Trilla is the hardest. I no, like the I fight with Paul on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, see, I like yeah. the, I don't Trilla is always the hardest for me. I love that fight with Malakos because to me, that's the one that feels the most like a lightsaber duel. I feel like. Yeah. When you're doing that fight, like you spend the most amount of time just like swinging, you know, attack, like doing saber attacks on him and blocking his saber attacks. I feel like, and I love all the boss fights, but I feel like all the other ones have a lot more kind of like video gamey mechanics where it's like, okay, dodge this unblockable move and then jump over this force shockwave thing that they do and then go in and get a couple hits and then jump back and, you know, it's like that kind of thing. Whereas with Malakos, it's like, nah, you got your saber, I got my saber and we're just going at it. Well, and so I'll finish up, Tim. I'm sorry. I'm going, I'm, I know I'm going long, but I really like I like this trailer more than I. I, you know, I had a lot to say more about this than I realized. I'm sorry. Um, but all that being said, I, I, you know, I I do think that that's that's where my my guess is. I think there's going to be uh, this character you bond with over time, and you're probably thinking, and they'll make you think like he's gonna be like his his brother. And there's going to be a turn because I think there's going to be probably emotional beats for both of them and how there's going to be this time where you're, you're going to be facing that, 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 whoever that guy is, the, um, Utapawan. And there's going to be, you know, drama between all the three of you guys. And there's going to be this whole tense thing. 
and then whatever the result of that battle with that Udapalan or whatever that main the main MacGuffin you will of that game that you're going to go up against or whatever is going to be coming to a head. That result will end up turning him, and you'll have to face him at the end. Or how about this? Maybe you won't face him at the end, but he turns, and you're like, oh crap! The third game is I gotta take on this guy I bonded with. Something like that. That's my guess. Could be. Write yeah, it down. I, I definitely think too that the title survivor is not just referring to Cal, like being the Jedi survivor. That's something we kind of obviously have already seen. We've seen that with other Jedi. So I just think there's more to it. And I kind of see it going the direction you were talking about, Paul, where maybe the survivor is that character in the in the tank there. And he was just maybe he's an ancient Jedi or one not so ancient, but who's been kept on ice, as you said, for a particular reason, and Cal discovers it, or was kept there to prevent him because maybe he was too powerful or something like that. And then Cal releases him. Because one thing I will say, when I saw that, like the tube and the tank and all that, I kind of got some bad memories of Force Unleashed 2. It was like, oh no, don't do cloning Jedi stuff again <laughs> for a sequel to a, another great Star Wars game. But that I don't think that's definitely not going to be the case. But I just couldn't help but think of that when I saw that too. Like, don't go down the route of cloning Jedi or Force users again for your sequel to a popular uh, Jedi con lightsaber combat game. Yeah, please um, no. Yeah, but hey, this at, least, at, at least they wouldn't be cloning the main character. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> that would just be a little too... We killed off the main character. Wait, but the game was really popular. We need to make a sequel. Let's clone him for a four-hour <laughs> game that ends on a cliffhanger that we'll never get to resolve. <sighs> Don't get me started on Force Unleashed 2. I'm sorry, but yeah. They, that was... When I saw that, that was the time where... Potentially thought that they were going down that road, but thankfully not. I think we're going to be avoiding that again. But the trailer was a lot more ominous than I was expecting it to be. It just how it starts off with, you know, your ship being damaged and the crew not there. And it just made me think, man, it's like just when I first watch it, thinking how obviously the Jedi Survivor is he, is Cal like the only surviving member of his crew now? Are they going full on Battle of Endor where they kill off <laughs> all the main family and there's only one of them left? Um, but I'm sure that won't be the case. I mean, obviously something bad happens to the crew. Maybe they might be separated for a while and Cal and BD-1 are on their own for a bit. But um, we'll see where it plays out. But it's definitely an intriguing trailer for one that's just obviously a reveal cinematic trailer. Like I said, no gameplay footage or anything like that. I'm sure that's going to look great too and i can't wait to see that type of stuff when they finally uh, unveil more for the game later down the road but for a reveal trailer this was cool to get and just not the direction i thought they were going or stuff they show i was not expecting to see for the sequel of jedi fallen order but it definitely has me intrigued and more curious than ever now to see the story um and the journey that cal's going to take on in this game so yeah definitely a cool way to reveal the sequel uh, for Jedi Fallen Order and to get that title officially confirmed. Because I remember it was rumored to be and kind of linked it, that title to being the name of the sequel. And now that we finally know that it is, it was good to see and just raises a bunch of more new questions as you see the trailer, what unfolds in there. So yeah, definitely looking forward to see more get revealed for this game, hopefully this year. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I'm sure we'll get a gameplay reveal trailer probably uh you know, again, there's no E3 this year, but, you know, right now, like Xbox and Sony have been doing like their game showcases and stuff, and we haven't seen anything from it yet. 
Um, but I'm sure maybe later in the year, like at Gamescom or something like that, um, maybe we'll see some gameplay footage. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll see some more before the end of the year. And then of course, you know, leading into next year when we get to play the game, um, can't wait till it finally comes out. Um, but, uh, let's go from there into some of the animated shows that they talked about at Celebration. I mentioned that uh, Young Jedi Adventures thing briefly already, but um, besides that, we've got, we finally know what Tales of the Jedi is. Um, and I don't think it's what any of us expected. And yet it's one of the things I'm most excited about. Um, so we knew just from the description of the panel that this was going to be an animated anthology series, that Dave Filoni was involved with it because he was, uh, you know, the one doing the panel. Um, but it turns out, so it's going to be, uh, at least for now, I don't know if this is planned as just sort of like a one-off event series kind of thing, or if they might eventually do more of this, but at least the first season that we're getting is coming out fall of 2022. Uh, it's going to be six episodes and these are done, um, you know, still in like the Clone Wars, Bad Batch animation style, um, focused on, so there's going to be three episodes focused on Ahsoka and three episodes focused on Dooku during his time as a Jedi, um, and both episodes are focusing on the characters like at different points of their life. And so uh, for Ahsoka, there's going to be an episode focused on her starting from when she's a baby up until, you know, her being a small child, like with her village of other, you know, Togruta family. And um, I'm assuming ends with her leaving to join the Jedi for the first time. Um, and then there's going to be an episode with her and Anakin and Rex and uh, them like training together during the Clone Wars. And so we'll get to hear like Matt Lanter and Dee Bradley Baker and all that. Like, it'll basically just be another Clone Wars episode. I'm really hoping that it's going to be when she starts using the two lightsabers for the first time. Because during Clone Wars, I always wanted to see, uh, you know, just a one-off episode like during season three. Because, there's you know, when they, they change the character models and she goes from having one lightsaber to two. I always would have loved to see an episode with her and Anakin just like sparring in the Jedi Temple. Um and training and like trying different things, maybe Anakin going, you know what, here, try a second saber and, you know, teaching her some like two hand, like some, some double saber techniques. Um, so I'm hoping we'll get to see that in this episode. Um, but regardless, that'll be really cool to see just more Clone Wars era stuff. And then there's another episode focused on her. Um, it looks like it's after the purge and she's maybe fighting an inquisitor or some other kind of, um, red lightsaber wielding villain. Um, and then with the cool skull mask that looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and again, that made me wonder, like, is that actually an Inquisitor that just happens to have this, you know, their own cool mask? Or is this a different type of character? Or is she like having a vision of the Sith? Or, you know, like, I don't know. But regardless, it's going to be freaking cool. Um, and then with Dooku, again, you know, we're going to see him at different points in his life um, as a Jedi. And one of the really cool things that they said is we're also going to see Qui-Gon in this. Um, and Liam Neeson is going to be reprising the role, but also his son is going to be voicing Qui-Gon in, in some of the episodes where we see Qui-Gon like as a younger, you know, maybe like teenage Padawan to Dooku, um, and then have Liam Neeson voicing him when he's older and, you know, as a Jedi Knight while Dooku's a master. So, um, that's also going to be really interesting. This was another one where like they showed a trailer, uh, they actually showed a trailer and then they showed the first episode. Um, but the trailer wasn't released online, but like I've seen the leaked version of it. The animation looks just gorgeous. I mean, what you would expect from just, you know, a natural progression of like Clone Wars season seven into Bad Batch and now this. Um, but just, you know, some gorgeous looking visuals. It's going to be great to revisit these characters again. And besides Ahsoka and Dooku, like I said, there's also going to be just a lot of 
familiar characters from that prequel era, like, uh, you know, Anakin, Rex, uh, Mace Windu, Qui-Gon. Um, so I can't wait till we get to see this. It's going to be a really cool, you know, exploration of these characters. And Dave Filoni said that, like, the whole uh, sort of conception of this was, like, these were stories that he would just kind of sketch out, like, on his plane rides to go, like, film The Mandalorian. Because um, I think they filmed The Mandalorian in L.A. Like, that's where their big volume stage is. And I think maybe Dave still lives up in, like, San Francisco by Lucasfilm. Um, so, yeah, he just said that, you know, he he does a lot of traveling when he's going to film Mandalorian. And just on the plane, he would sketch out these stories about, like, oh, what if at this point in Ahsoka's life or Dooku's life or whatever, you know, he they did this, that, or the other thing. So I'm sure he's probably got more stories that he could do that they maybe haven't made yet. Um, but he said, you know, he just... He sketched these stories out, showed them to, you know, his producers. Uh, I think it's like Carrie Beck and Athena Portillo, who, you know, have done producing on, you know, Clone Wars and Bad Batch and all that stuff. Um, and they were like, hey, these are really good. Like, we should make these. And they found the resources and got the team together and were able to uh, to make it happen. So, um, gosh, I'm, I'm super excited for this. Like, it's only six episodes. And as far as, you know, like plots and big reveals and new information and stuff it's like you know it might not be on the same level as like you know mando or like season seven of clone wars or whatever but like this is one of those things that you get excited for just knowing that it's a passion project like on the one hand because we all love ahsoka and want to see more of her but then also getting to see more of dooku and you know that'll be really interesting we've never really gotten to explore his time as a jedi um except for the one you know the the dooku lost uh novel um but then just like you know, knowing that this was something that Dave just made up for fun because he was, you know, just traveling and thinking about Star Wars and like, hey, what if these characters did X, Y, Z? And then um, they thought it was good enough to actually make into a show. I'm like, yes, Dave, I want to know what ideas you have for these characters and, you know, what other stories you have to tell us. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this uh, when we get to see it this fall. And I'm kind of surprised that, like, it's coming out so soon. Um, again, I mean, you know, maybe it didn't take that long to put into production since it's only six episodes, but, um, yeah, I, I can't wait. And honestly, even though we haven't even seen it yet, I hope we get more after this. And I hope we get these kind of stories about other Jedi and even just other characters. But with this specifically being Tales of the Jedi, it's like, it's cool that it's focusing on Ahsoka and Dooku, but there's so many other Jedi that you could do this kind of stuff for too. Tim, if you want to go for before me, that by all means, please, because uh, <laughs> I will. I'm gonna go on a long time. So if you want to go, please, by all means, sir. Sure. So yeah, obviously this is something we're all looking forward to at celebration to find out exactly what it is. And I'll be honest, my first reaction when they said it was gonna be, I was like, well, that's kind of a bummer because I was hoping that Tales of the Jedi it would encompass a wide range of eras of the Jedi. Because it just sounds perfect for that. But then when you start hearing, oh, it's going to be about a, a younger Dooku and a younger Qui-Gon and more stuff with Ahsoka. Oh, that sounds really cool. It's going to be the same animation style as the Clone Wars. We know Clone Wars and Bad Batch looks phenomenal. So this is going to be amazing. And then you see, actually see the footage um, that was shown. And boy, does it look incredible. <laughs> like you said, Kyle, I cannot wait. So that feeling of being a little bit bummed as a, that it wasn't going to be Tales of the Jedi covering all different eras quickly went away when I started seeing what the series was going to be about and just how great it looks. And yeah, I'm all about getting more stories with 
Ahsoka's time that we haven't seen before, especially with her her pre-Jedi life. And I believe Dave was kind of saying how at first it was going to be about how when Plo Koon first came and uh, recruited her to be Jedi, that they're going to tell that story, but then kind of reverse course a little bit and kind of said it'd be more interesting and probably more emotional and impactful to see just Ahsoka's life and how it was with her mother and her Togruta family on there. So I'm not quite sure if we will see um, any connections with her leaving to go to the Jedi with Plo Koon in that episode and make for a good ending, um, depending, I guess, on the story that they're telling in that first episode, because that was the one that was shown at Celebration. Everyone was raving about it. So um, just the fact that we're going to see that part of Ahsoka's life is going to be great. And I'm sure we'll just add uh, just much more to her, her character and just her big moments that we see over the course of the saga. And just, again, the fact that we're going to get some early stories of Dooku as a Jedi with Qui-Gon as his Padawan, I mean, I'm all there for that. I love it when we get more stories dealing with Qui-Gon's time as a Jedi. I mean, I love it when we get stuff with him as Obi-Wan as Master and Apprentice, but to kind of switch it up and go further back to see Qui-Gon as an apprentice and just see how his training was with Dooku is just going to be so awesome to see i just cannot wait for that uh, that's the stuff i'm excited about most for this series and i guess despite liam neeson's feelings on um tv shows being too beneath him to work on i guess he's making an exception for this um series yeah, as, as, as well soon as, as i heard as soon as i heard that i was like oh i'm calling bs on that liam neeson interview he's right. absolutely <laughs> showing up in obi-wan oh yeah he'll be in the finale 100 yeah. percent. yeah um but yeah, just, it's going to be great to have him back. And it's a really cool move to have his son voice a younger Qui-Gon. So yeah, what's not to love and not be excited about with this series? I mean, it just sounds really cool. It just, I mean, it's not a full-blown series, but it's, it's just more cool Star Wars content to get, even if it's um, small shorts like this. And just to have it be part of the Star Wars slate that we're going to get this year, that's, that's already full with some great content. And just to have a little more is going to be awesome to get in the fall. So I cannot wait to see this. Um, it looks great. The buzz around it um, from everyone who saw the first episode in Celebration is just through the roof. So, yeah, I think this is going to be something really cool. And like you said, Kyle, hopefully it's just the start of more Tales of the Jedi. Because that's the thing. While I might have been bummed at first knowing it's not going to be in different eras, but this could just be the start of something big where um, this proves to be successful. They want to do more. Okay, let's go further back or let's go further ahead in the timeline. The potential's there. Um, for each season of the series to be in a different era. So um, no sense in me being too bummed about it anymore, knowing how great this looks, but also how they can easily do those type of stories um, further down the line. So, yeah, I cannot wait to see Tales of the Jedi. So here's the deal. I, I may not have wanted these things for Tales of the Jedi, but I'm sure as hell glad I'm getting them. And... I think that's my my instant reaction to the news of what this actually was. I find I again I you know me I I love me some speculation I love me some uh, reading reading into things all that jazz. Uh, my thing is this: I just want to have uh, I just want to have good st- Jedi stories, right? Whether it doesn't matter what timeline they're in, because I love the Jedi. That's the reason why I watch Star Wars a big you know, is is the Force stuff, the Jedi stuff. You know, that's probably what keeps me engaged with 
you know, I think the whole franchise to be, to be quite honest. Um, I, obviously everything helps a lot, but that's probably what gets me the most excited. I remember Tim, you know, you know, we used to go all hours in the night when they announced force awakens and just speculating, but it's mostly on force stuff, you know, oh, yeah. stuff, I, you know, that's the stuff that I love talking about and love the, you know, love, I want to learn more. And, and that's why I love, the Mortis arc, the Yoda arc, you know, anything, the Night Sister stuff, but even that's not the Jedi stuff, it's Force stuff. I love all that stuff. Um, and when Tales of the Jedi back in the day, when I read those comics, you know, I love that stuff too because it was fresh, it felt different, and I loved you know, deepening the mythology. And, you know, when this was announced as Clone Wars stuff, I'm like, ah, you know, and, and it was shorts, I'm like, ah, I don't know, but after seeing the trailer, leaked trailer, um, yeah, it wasn't official, and and hearing about the the, the actual uh, everything, I started really shifting my whole my whole uh, idea and my whole like expectations a little bit, and started thinking, you know, this is probably, in my opinion, again, I think this is a, a dry run. I think I think it is a little bit of a let's wait and see what people react to. A little bit. It seems like a no-brainer that people would love to get, you know, uh, Jedi and things like that. But I think this is a more of, of an avenue for many different reasons. I think it's to, I think, help build Ahsoka a little bit, to prepare fans a little bit for what Dave plans to do without having to do a comic book or a novel. Because the one thing I think that before Disney Plus is if you wanted to flesh out things and and everything, you wanted to do it in a comic or a book because, you know, you had you didn't you couldn't do live action you know what i mean i think the one thing with disney plus is you don't really have to do that necessarily now i'm not saying they won't do that but i think that now dave does not have to be like well i have to give you a novel now because i have to you know ahsoka needs to kind of need to flesh out her ideas in a novel and sell the fans but now it's like well actually i can just do a 10 minute short and and put it on tales of the jedi you know i i think there's something I think they're just playing around with things a little bit for multiple levels. Um, I do think they're establishing a brand of Tales of the Jedi. I don't think that it's just going to be like a, I hope not anyway. I, I don't think so. I don't think you bring back a powerful name like Tales of the Jedi just for cartoon shorts for one time, in, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious what, if you guys would agree on that. It doesn't seem, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be a movie, but I just feel like this is actually... A, a way to kind of inter introduce people to the brand of Tales of the Jedi because it is such a broad title, you could do anything with it. And I and I I honestly think that this could be what they do with the brand going forward with anim maybe not animated shorts. I hope it's not just animated shorts, but if they do animated shows, maybe do like miniseries. You know, really dive into these characters, and you can do Je Jedi stuff. And, I, you know, again, Filoni could be helping spearhead the idea of, like, doing different Jedi stuff in different eras. And you start exploring a little bit of a Knights of the Old Republic and start getting fans prepared for, which I think is the eventual uh, uh, sh giant shift of storytelling, which will happen in the next five years, where it's going to be all Knights of the Old Republic. I just I just think it's 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 got to happen. It, it's printing money, baby. And so I think Tales of the Jedi is a good way of maybe spearheading that a little bit. Of getting fans prepared, and I think just kind of having fun with it. I mean, you you bringing back Liam Neeson for it, like all that. 
And then we bring him in Mace Window, Count Dooku. This is kind of interesting things, what they're doing. So I just kind of think that this is kind of a wait and see how it reacts to, which is interesting because I don't know why you would do that opposed to like the Bad Batch first. You know what I mean? That's the one thing I would think of like, well, why would they do the Bad Batch and not like a Jedi show if that was what, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it seems kind of weird to me. Like why that shouldn't, that seems like a slam dunk and why would they need a, a 10 minute short to explain that? to the you know Disney brass, but I don't know, maybe because Disney's nervous about Jedi stuff. They want to see what they thought. They knew the, the bad batch would be perfect because you're bridging popular prequel to, to OT. That's a, it's a more easier sell. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I'll, but, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you why I think that is. First of all, again, please, you yes, know, please. Dave said he kind of just was like spitballing these ideas as he was flying back and forth to make Mandalorian. So I think just, he came like, this didn't come along until after Bad Batch was probably already in production. Because um, I think at this point, it's pretty safe to assume, like, when they when they greenlit a final season of Clone Wars, I think they already had the idea that they were going to continue that on into Bad Batch. Um, but another thing that was interesting, this was kind of another interesting tidbit from that celebration weekend, and I think they were talking about Again, we've had so much Star Wars information and interviews and stuff lately, like it all kind of bleeds together. So I don't remember if this was from the Lucasfilm studio panel or if it was from those Vanity Fair articles, but they were talking about sort of the the original idea from The Mandalorian and how Kathleen Kennedy had approached Jon Favreau and said, hey, would you like to make a Star Wars series? And he said, actually, yeah, I've already got an idea for it. Let me pitch you on this Mandalorian thing that I want to do. And we knew... We had heard from like interviews before, and I think even from like the art books, they talk about just that Kathleen Kennedy knew that Dave was interested in Mandalorians because he had done Mandalorians on Clone Wars before and stuff. And she's like, oh, so you like Mandalorians. Dave likes, likes Mandalorians. Why don't you guys put this together? Um, but this was the first time that we had actually heard, I think at least as far as I can remember, that they said that Dave was actually working on a Mandalorian animated series. Um that, that he was working on like a, an animated spinoff about Mandalorians. And then when, and Kathleen Kennedy was kind of worried that like, oh, there might be like this turf war between John doing his Mandalorian thing and Dave doing his Mandalorian thing. So why don't I try to just get them to work together? And obviously it worked out great because they got along really well and they've been like a perfect pair to be kind of spearheading the Mandalorian together. Um, but that made me realize because, you know, when Bad Batch was announced after Clone Wars, we all were kind of like, Huh, that's an interesting concept to like, you know, I, like I, I love the Bad Batch episodes, but like of all the things you could do a, a full series about, like it was kind of an interesting choice and kind of caught us all off guard. And I was like, oh, so that makes sense. So Dave was originally planning to do season seven of Clone Wars and then do a Mandalorian animated spinoff. Um, and then, you know, decided to, they just decided to do the Mandalorians as a live action thing instead. And then they're like, oh, well, we need another animated spinoff. So let's do the Bad Batch instead. And that's, you know, is kind of more of like a replacement idea, um, which makes a lot of sense. And, you know, again, so this was probably back, I don't know, like 2017 that they were maybe coming up with this. I mean, it was 2018 when it was announced that Clone dude, Wars was coming back. So dude, Kyle, I actually do. That's I'm not sure if you if you just came up with that on your own. I'm not saying you 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 didn't or you did and you didn't or whatever, but that's pretty brilliant. Like that's that's a really good point because 
if they if they with Disney Plus after Clone Wars, they probably were like, or when they're because they were making they they knew they were making this stuff for a while. Like they were prepping it for a while, the Clone Wars yeah. season, you know, in preparation for Disney Plus, right? Like this yeah. is all happening years before. You gotta wonder that towards you know when they're after last jedi you know and everything and, and then making rise of skywalker and they're making a man you know they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with disney plus and they, they they need something star wars live action and they started working on all that stuff together and then maybe you're right like that's when dave was like listen like let's just work on this together and i i, I think it's probably kathleen kelly makes it sound like she kind of put it together which i don't really i i think it's probably a combination of all of everyone's stories it definitely feels like Filoni and and John they weren't like good friends they weren't like best buds or good super good buddies like before but they were acquaintances like you know like they they probably kept not in touch but like knew each other respected each other you know they, they worked you know not worked together they worked together a couple they did work together what am I thinking well they yeah um, they did because John was on Clone Wars well right what 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 I mean by that is like more more when I say work together I mean like what they're doing now not like yeah, yeah. worked with them for one day you know that kind of thing but that being said um. I think that like you bring up a great point because when, 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 cause I bet you anything, it was probably uh, Favreau saying, why don't you come with me to do this live action show? This is your time. And maybe like, I mean, and, and maybe I, I believe Kathleen Kennedy, what she says about that, because like, it would make sense. Anything she says, well, because again, if, if Dave was already working on an animated no, I show, that or at part. least having I the, that the ideas for it. Well, yeah, but then, you know, why as the boss, would you not say, Hey, you know, let me try to sort of like bring these two ideas together before there's sort of conflict between the two. Because I, I don't, I think, I think Dave and, and John, I think Dave and John knew each other's things before, like before. I, I think it's it's not it's not coincidence that J Dave wouldn't have some knowledge of what John was doing. I don't think John was just like out of nowhere, like. By the way, Dave, did you know I knew? Was, I had no idea. I, I just don't believe that. I I believe John had some, or Dave had some knowledge, at least if not a little bit, if not a lot. Of, again, I'm just speculating, but it doesn't really matter because I think you're either way. You're, you're. I'm sorry to say you're right, Kyle. God damn it. Um, no, but uh, no, but but I think you're right though because I think it, either way that he was probably developing a, some kind of animated series because again, I, I I said this on the on the Marvel news uh, Marvel news show, and uh, the thing is like we you know with Clone Wars all the things they have. Um, uh, MCU fan show, I should say, called right. I always say it in the show. It's all right. We've got there's so many different names. I I, I forget sometimes. <laughs> but the thing is, with I talked about the She Hulk, you know, I was complaining about the CGI, which I, I get and I understand, and, and I you know blame people. But you know, with CGI with anything, especially with I, I brought up Clone Wars and how Rebels when they did Rebels, they went started from scratch and had to like do all these new assets and everything, right? And, you know, they had to basically do go from square one because Clone Wars is too expensive. But over time, even when Clone Wars first started, like things looked kind of rough because it, they didn't have many, very many assets. But now, like with if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense what you're saying, because they probably didn't have the time or the, the money to start a show up right away for Disney Plus for a Jedi show to do all, all new assets. Because, yeah, it looked good, at least initially. But they probably couldn't do a whole lot, and they'd have a lot of money to develop new characters. New, because again, you just put Clone Wars and Stormtroopers in there. There, it's not that much different for Clone Wars and Stormtroopers. You know what I mean? It's a little bit of an alteration. Um, so, 
it makes a lot of sense what you're saying that they probably were like, you need to keep it something cheap in this budget and doing a whole new show with new concept and new characters would be kind of expensive because, you know, even though you could do a, a pre prequel Jedi show, like, you know, with, with Qui-Gon and things like that, there's probably a lot more, you, you, there's probably the budget would probably go out a lot more than what Disney wanted to do initially. Or, or whereas with Bad Batch, it's all pretty much established things. You know what I mean for the most part. Yeah. So well, but also, I mean, just from a story standpoint too. Again, like I think he was thinking of the Mandalorian thing as a continuation of Clone Wars because you've already got all those assets built for Mandalore yeah. and Bo-Katan and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um. And then you know, again, when they decided to okay, we're going to do Mandalorians in live action instead. What else can we do to spin off of Clone Wars? And they thought, well, we. Could do bad batch and continue that on into the imperial era and i think i mean maybe they had an idea of some kind of jedi thing but again like i believe what dave is saying that these were ideas that he just kind of spitballed as he was working on mandalorian so i would think that like bad batch was already in production at this point um so it wasn't like like i it, and it makes sense what you're saying too about just financially and the assets and all that stuff but i don't think it was a question of like oh should we do tales of the jedi or should we do bad batch oh let's no, do bad no batch i agree first. with that i yeah, think yeah. there was just it just naturally was an idea that came along later whereas bad batch was kind of right. out of necessity it's like okay we're finishing clone Wars no, no i we agree need, we need a story idea to continue along from that I, I only brought that up because you would think that they would want like jedi or more probably no matter how popular prequels are or the original trilogy what's the most grabbing thing about star wars in my opinion right it's lightsabers you know that is star wars to me if i had to think of one thing to describe star you know to an image i would just put a lightsaber out and you know that's star wars that is the which we also will get to see in bad batch season two as we'll talk about in a second right yeah yeah and i, I know i'm going along with it here but you know tales of jedi had a lot to say about this right so um so i say all that to just I, I, you got to wonder, and, and really quick, I'll throw it back to you guys really quick because I, I want to know do you really think, uh, and Timmy, I think you kind of alluded to this already a little bit, but Kyle, I want to, uh, you know, either way, you, you both, obviously both can answer this question, but I'm curious because I do think that this is going to be some, this is some kind of, you know, rebranding and trying to bring it back and, and trying to do multiple, kind of do multiple jobs at the same time. And I do think that this is going to, that whether it be an animated series or something, Tales of the Jedi is going to be p perhaps an ongoing kind of branding for, uh, I think, the me for different mediums or, or maybe animation of some sort. And I'm curious if you think that that's also one reason why they're doing this as an animated show of shorts. Just kind of get something out there, but kind of maybe trying to put it out there, not quickly, but in a way to kind of say, like, how do we go out there and start doing new Jedi stuff and new Jedi stories without being like, what do we call it? You know what I mean? Like kind of, kind of prepare the mainstream audience. What's your guys' take on that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an interesting naming choice. Cause like, I mean, I kind of had the same initial reaction as you guys when I was like, oh, it's just, you know, cause we had all this speculation about like, is it going to be about Luke's Jedi after episode six? Is it going to be about the, the old Republic? Is it going to be the high Republic? Like you could do all this Jedi stuff. And initially when I just heard, oh, it's only going to be six episodes and it's focused on Ahsoka and Dooku. I was like initially bummed just a little bit until I started seeing the concept art in the trailer and hearing some of the different ideas of what they were going to do with this. And I was like, oh, wait, that actually sounds really cool. And I'm like super excited for this now. And it's not I think maybe you said this, Tim, like it is not any like not at all what I expected. But now I'm I'm really hyped for it regardless. Um, but I do think, you know, given all those different 
possibilities that you could do with that name and just, yeah, like all the different Jedi stories that you could tell, whether it's focused on, like I said, you could do, like if this is successful, you could do more of these stories about Anakin and Obi-Wan and Mace Windu and Yoda. Um, but you could also go back and do, you know, I mean, you could start exploring the Old Republic. I would love to see if they do really like expand on this, um, maybe see like an, a one-off animated short about Tar Vizsla, the, the first uh, Mandalorian Jedi who created the Darksaber. Um, but also, yeah, yeah you know, perfect avenue to tell that story. Here. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know me, I mean, I, if they want to do like Revan or Malak or Exar Kun or Darth Bane, well, I guess Darth, those are all Sith Lords that I just mentioned. Um, but you could do, well, like, they could do another series called Tales of the Sith. Yeah. But you could also do Jedi stories where those guys are the bad guys. Um, but I think at least for now, it seems like they've kind of rebranded re this name. And, you know, again, they're, they're using it Tales of the Jedi because you could do, you know, just you can't, you could kind of do anything with this. Tell all these stories about Jedi in different time periods and whatever. But it seems like at least for now, they're focusing on Jedi that we're familiar with um, in kind of the, the canon, like the established canon and the prequel era and stuff like that. And so I, and again, maybe this will just be like a one-off, you know, it'll just be a one season anthology kind of thing. I hope it's fantastic. I hope people love it. And I hope we get more of it. And um like I said, just knowing where they're starting out, my gut reaction is that if we were to do more, it would just continue to focus on more Jedi from the prequel era. Um, but I would love it if they expanded that to other to other time periods and stuff. But I don't know if because I mean, I think you're saying, Paul, that like this might be kind of like a, a almost like a backdoor pilot or like a testing the waters to see if we can expand this into you know, we're, we're kind of trying to plant the seeds to turn this into like a full-blown like Old Republic kind of thing, um, which I'm not setting my expectations that high. Um, if they did do that, I would love it. And I, do, I don't think they would sort of turn it, you know, go from six shorts about Ahsoka and Dooku to like a full season about the Old Republic. But we could get some more one-off animated shorts and things about Jedi in those different time periods. And I would love to eventually see that. Um but for right now, I'm kind of trying to just temper my expectations and enjoy this for what it is. And if it's successful enough um, and popular enough that they do more seasons of it, I would love to see where they go with it. Um, but I'm just, I don't know, with all the other stuff that we have coming, I mean, they could just as easily do a whole separate series set in the Old Republic or High Republic or, you know, whatever. I don't think they necessarily need to piggyback off of this. Um but, you know, they could if they wanted to. There's there's so many possibilities out there right now, but I don't necessarily have like a strong prediction one way or the other on what they're going to do with it. Yeah, I just think it's kind of what I said before, where it's just a good title to have because it just leaves things open if they want to do more. It's just not limited to this particular time period. And if it does prove successful or Dave comes up with more stories or they leave it open to someone else to bring in some more stories or just not limited to just telling it in the Clone Wars era. Tales of the Jedi encompasses the entire Star Wars timeline. I think it's kind of put in there to serve that purpose, too, in case they want to do more and do other stories. Um, that might not necessarily be enough for a full-blown series or a movie or something like that, but I think you brought a good, a perfect example, Kyle, of Tar Vizsla. I mean, it'd be great to get a full you know, backstory on that, but if they feel we just need a short story to 
show more about the forming, forging uh, the dark saber, and shed a little more light on Tarvizla's history. That'd be great, a great avenue to tell that story in a short like that. So I just think it's right now basically just a wait and see how this one goes. But I'd actually be kind of surprised if this is all we're going to get. I just think just that name in general, Tales of the Jedi, would just be. Um, uh, it would be kind of be wasted if it's just used for this one season of a six-part short animated series. I, I strongly believe that it's kind of put there for to, to do more later on. So, um, I guess it's like I said, a kind of a wait and see at this point. But I do think uh, we're, we're going to get more. If I were to place a bet and say one way or another, if this is going to be it, if we're going to get more, I definitely think we're probably going to be getting more uh, stories set in this series called Tales of the Jedi because it's just something that encompasses so much more than what we're getting, even though what we're going to get this season looks really awesome. So we'll just have to wait and see, but I think we'll get more. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, like I said, I'm also, you know, it's kind of surprising that we get the the first big announcement for this, um, you know, this summer and it's only going to be until, uh, you know, this fall that we'll have to wait to see it. So Definitely looking forward to that one. And then uh, if they go with more from there, I'm all for it. Um, but speaking of animated stuff and uh, speaking of seeing more Jedi, let's talk about Bad Batch season two. I'm just going to jump right into it. I'm so freaking happy that Goonji's still alive yes. and that we're seeing him again <laughs> in the Bad Batch. It looks like on Kashyyyk. Um, and I saw somebody point out too, I guess there's also... A, uh, a Trandoshan like with a flamethrower in this trailer that people thought was going to like was uh, a villain that was maybe going to be in one of the Bad Batch arcs from Clone Wars that they didn't get to do because um, it was an unused or like an unfinished Clone Wars arc of the Bad Batch on Kashyyyk with Yoda. Mm -hmm. um, and it looks like Gunji's on Kashyyyk and you see the, the Bad Batch looking like they're on some beaches on a planet that looks like Kashyyyk. So I'm really like you guys know how much I love Wookiees. Um, and especially the kid Wookiee with a lightsaber. Like, I just freaking love Gunji, man. But seeing the Bad Batch get to go back to Kashyyyk and maybe kind of, you know, revisit some of those ideas from that, uh, or get to reuse some of the ideas from that Clone Wars arc that was unfinished, um, I think is going to be really cool. That's just one of the things I'm looking forward to. Uh, but that immediately, You love Wookiees because like, you are a Wookiee, Kyle. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you um, are a giant man. Yes, I am. Um, and probably, I love that about you. yeah, my, my most, the, like the Star Wars quote that I find most often applies to my everyday life is, uh, when they steal the shuttle in Return of the Jedi and Han says, I don't think the Empire had Wookiees in mind when they designed her Chewie. Uh, that's me on every airplane, every backseat of a car, anywhere that's not built for six foot eight people. Um, oh goodness. So yeah, I, I, that was my immediate takeaway from the trailer is I was just like, my Wookiee Jedi kid is back. I'm so freaking happy. But there's a lot of other stuff to talk about in this trailer, too. So, um, I mean, it's funny because in that that little montage where we see Gunji, they're talking about like, oh, we'll take all the allies we can get. We also see a clone uh, right in that same kind of sequence that looks an awful lot like Commander Cody. Um, it is Cody. It is confirmed. Yeah. Cody. yeah. Oh, is okay. I mean, it, it, it's got he's got like the same scar on his face. So I figured it was him, but I didn't see any like official confirmation of that. Um, so we're going to see him again. We're seeing Gunji again. Uh, we're seeing uh, the Bad Batch. You know, they're all back with uh, some different looking armor. Like they've got new paint jobs now. They're they're not, you know, it's not the same old Clone Force 99 paint jobs. So um, kind of diversifying a little bit and separating themselves out from, from the Empire. I and the just clone army. finished buying all the Black Series figures, damn it. Well, they want <laughs> you to buy more. <laughs> 
Well, they have to they have to prove it to me. <laughs> oh, God, I'm such an easy mark. Omega, by the way, Omega's costume is awesome. I yeah. love her redesign. Yeah, but I love the fact too that she's slowly getting her armor to be uh-huh. more, to be more like her brothers too. Yeah, she's got a helmet now and you know some little armor pieces and stuff. So, so yeah, it looks like a, a cool progression. Um, you know, I'm interested to see where the story goes, but I mean, there's a lot in this trailer, and it's a it's pretty short too. I think it's only like a minute and fifteen seconds or something, but. Um, they cram just a lot of different shots and stuff in here. It's interesting. We see another shot of Palpatine and he's saying something about, I forget the exact quote, but he's talking about like the new era um, or something like that. Um, uh, and so, you know, we're, we're, I think we're going to continue to further see, you know, the the phasing out of the clones and the introduction of stormtroopers and stuff like that. Um, we see a lot of just, you know, Imperial troopers and tech and stuff in this trailer. We see gunships. We see uh, more of the, the clone commandos. Um, so, yeah. Tim, I, I can hear you sighing over there. So I know you got some thoughts on the, the Empire and the clones. Yeah. I mean, I didn't notice this when I first saw it, but you're talking about the moment where Palpatine where it looks like to be in the Senate chamber. So we're talking about a new era. And Behind him, you can see it's like we're gonna have to relive the destruction of Topoka City because you just see behind him, it looks like they're broadcasting its destruction. You see, oh, I didn't even notice Topoka that. City on fire, glass coming down. So, looks like Palpatine's pretty proud of that moment there, and that just makes me so sad and angry. But <laughs> you know, I wonder if they'll kind of spin it you know similar to how he was like uh you know in in revenge of the sith when he's like the attempt on my life and Mm -hmm. you know painting the jedi as the bad guys and stuff because we know throughout season one of bad match we were kind of speculating like are the kaminoans uh you know gonna stage some kind of revolution like we knew that they had their own plans for omega and that they didn't trust the empire and there was some kind of some shifty stuff going on and then at the end of the season, before they can actually do anything, the Empire kind of sniffs them out and uh, like they kill Lama Sue and and shut down the whole cloning operation before the Kaminoans, uh, you know, get a chance to put any of their plans in motion. So now this might be Palpatine being like, look, the Kaminoans tried to stage a revolution and they tried yep. to overthrow the Empire and we've put them down. Because I would think that like just deciding to wipe out the cloning facilities wouldn't necessarily be something that like maybe they don't try to hide it but i wouldn't think you would necessarily want to broadcast that um if people kind of have this image of the clones being like the heroes of the clone wars um but if you can you know paint them as the bad guy and be like oh look at the what the kaminoans and the clones tried to do to us and you know we're we're moving past that now and we're pushing on with this new era and everybody sign up to be stormtroopers Right. And it kind of leads up to like the clone veterans getting disregarded, as we saw in chapter two of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Just yeah. kind of, a lot of them probably living it out on the streets uh, without much support. So that could play into it. I think that's a great point, too. Uh, like I said, it's going to be great storytelling, but it's going to be sucked to see play out as well mm-hmm. <laughs> over the course of the series. Just knowing what a brilliant job they did in season one um, with showing the end of Camino or Topoca City on Camino. Even though it's tough to see, it was just done brilliantly, though. So that's going to be a fascinating thing to see how the Empire spins it over the course of Season 2. But, man, just in general, the trailer just looks absolutely beautiful. I mean, you touched on it, the, mo- the beach sequences, the lighting on that, it just the mm-hmm. detail, all the colors, man, it looks incredible. <laughs> just, just when you think, 
animation for the series can't get any better, but then we get shots like that. And uh, going into what, even though the quality wasn't great with Tales of the Jedi, it looks to be on a similar level to this, and it just looks incredible. And I was excited about Cody being in this trailer. He was one clone trooper who I was so curious to see, you know, what happened to him after Order 66, whether it was in a comic or novel or something like that. But I'm so glad we're going to get it in animation and in this series, too. And there was a shot. There wasn't a lot of crosshair in this trailer, but there were a few shots with him. And thankfully, he still has his amazing helmet still. I know some of the other members of the Bad Batch got some little upgrades to their costumes, which, I mean, I don't love. I don't hate it either. I just think they're just plain black armor with a few little bit of like white coloring on it looked awesome so certain ones with the more color to it uh, might take a little bit for me to get used to but um crosshair still looks armor looks as cool as ever and there's one shot where like like he's pointing his sniper rifle and there's another clone trooper beside him who looks like just to be in regular clone trooper armor and i'm wondering if that's cody it's kind of hard to tell with the lighting if it's his yellow markings on there but I think it would be cool if we kind of get a Cody crosshair journey on this episode where Cody probably still is with the Empire at this point. He obviously went through with Order 66, but maybe he's coming to regret it. And he's one of the clones who's kind of showing, I guess, the effects of the inhibitor chip wearing off or coming to realize what horrible things he did. And maybe him and Crosshair cross paths and they go on a journey together. I think that would make for a very interesting dynamic that I would love to see play out. So, yeah, then you mentioned actually Gunji being in it, which was an awesome surprise and kind of relief to know he survived Order 66. And that just makes the galaxy a better place knowing that. So, but um, another thing you brought up that I didn't realize until you mentioned it, but kind of almost forgot about it about that unused Clone Wars arc um, with the Bad Batch being on Kashyyyk. Because I always remember being at that panel at Celebration Anaheim and them showing the stuff for that arc uh, where they went back to Kashyyyk. But I always forget the that the Bad Batch were a part of that. So uh, if they were able to use that for some stories in season two, that's awesome in itself. So yeah, this Bad Batch season two looks great. I can't wait for it to premiere again and just have have this on a weekly basis again. And it's going to be getting two Star Wars shows at the same time because I believe this starts at the end of September, like September 28th, 29th, something like that. And knowing that Andor is going to be 12 episodes, that'll still be going on as Bad Batch. So two Star Wars series going on at the same time is going to be awesome, and they both look great. So, yeah, we knew Bad Batch Season 2 was coming, and it was great to get a first look at how awesome the next season is going to be. So, yeah, just a few more, more months to go, and just more great Star Wars animation is on the horizon. Well, it, my question is, did... um, You know... Oh, my gosh, I'm totally... I just... My mind went blank, guys. I, you were saying something, and I totally was like, I want to... Know, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm so sorry. She-Hulk. Doesn't She-Hulk come out the same time Andor does? And then, like, Andor kind of bleeds into both She-Hulk yeah. and Bad Batch. The, you know, I just saw a tweet today. Uh, I just retweeted it out there, and I'm being snarky on it because I, I'm so I'm so sick of Disney Plus just butchering these, these uh, re- show reveals or whatever. Um, apparently, uh, Miss Marvel... And it is like getting like the lowest ratings of like all the premieres of all the Marvel MCU shows. And mm. I, I only make, I only say that because I, I'm actually really enjoying this Marvel. I think it's actually the second episode was, was fantastic. It was so good. Um, way better than the first one I thought overall. Um, and I thought it was interesting. It was, I, I, I was complaining on the MCU fan show that 
why are they doing putting out Kenobi and and this at the same day? Like that just seems so yeah. dumb. Like like Disney like I, that just seems like why like, where I don't know what analytics they're doing, but th- it just seems like if you put a, if you would have been like Disney Plus said, hey fans, what would you prefer? And put it all their social medias, and you know Twitter, Facebook, what YouTube, whatever. And just took those those results for you know for however long, right? And just said, what what to see what the consensus all says. Do you think that most people would say that they would they they would wouldn't care if both two shows came out the same day? No, most people would be like, no, don't do that. You know, and it's, it's too much. And I think that um, what's interesting is because I'm not saying that Andor is going to come on the same day as She Hulk or whatever, but. I mean, I hope they learn from this because I don't know. I, I wish they would stagger these things out a little bit better because I know they some overlap, like one episode I could understand maybe the same week, the same day, Ugh, you know, and I just hope with Bad Batch. And that's one thing I liked about um, when it was coming out with Loki was I'd watch Loki on Wednesday and I'm like, all right, sweet, I get, I get Bad Batch on Friday. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it was a great like, oh, I got Bad Batch on Friday. I look forward to it. I just love having Star Wars on Fridays, man. I loved it. And I just want that to come back. It needs to come back. And, yeah, but, but this, this trailer is great. Um, I think I, I need to go rewatch the Bad Batch again. I just do. I, I've been itching to do that, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to – because it's a, it's a good series. It, it kind of lags at times, I, I will say. Um, I don't want to say it's filler, even. It just kind of, I just feel like they kind of lag at places. It's not really even filling up. It's just the lags a little longer than, than it needs to in some places. But but in the end, it's great storytelling. I love the characters. I liked them way better than I have ever anticipated, mostly because of Omega. I think Omega is a fantastic character, and she, to me, makes that series worth watching, in my opinion. Um, that and the amazing animation. Oh, my God. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I, this is, I think things like this and fallen order survivor, you know, Jedi survivor, or whatever it's, it, these are all things that really like, they're not like the big things, but they're the little things that make like star Wars keep like me, like fans like me, keep us going and keep me like, yeah, yeah. All right. That's right. That's awesome. So I don't know. I, I really liked the, um, I just love, I love seeing more of this. I think the animation looks incredible. And honestly, guys, let's be real. I think this is the future, like, of Star Wars animation. And that Star it Tales of the Jedi, Bad Batch. Um, this is, this is big stuff. This is big stuff. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I think this is, the future is hugely bright for uh, Star Wars animation. Yeah. I mean. Well, yeah. And I mean, the fact also that, uh, Tales of the Jedi is done in the same animation style makes me wonder if, I mean, obviously it's easy to do that because they're doing Ahsoka and Dooku and they already have all those assets in the Clone Wars style. But I wonder if, you know, Rebels is just going to kind of be an outlier and if they're just going to stick with this animation style for for Star Wars animation moving forward, which I would be totally fine with. Um, and we're also and oiled I, on it now too, so it'd be hard to go yeah, back. Yeah, less than that. And listen, like Star Wars Resistance, I like the animations a lot on that. Yeah. Honestly, it, the animation was not the problem on that show for me. Yeah, uh, you know, let's sure. be real. I thought the uh, the designs, everything about that show was great, the exception of the overall story as far as or the characterizations and like the the way it was tone was for the whole show. That was the problem with that show. But everything else was fantastic. But I think now that Disney knows, like, hey, you know what? 
we can put some uh we can throw up some uh some animated shows like bad batch and maybe some tales of the jedi and they're gonna eat it up and they're gonna talk about it and it's gonna get big numbers and keep people in you know like myself keep subscribing i mean i mean yeah i'm gonna subscribe it's star wars but they're they're I, they're keeping my money though they can keep even raising the money up a little bit they want to keep if they want to keep throwing some star wars and you know tales you know animation shows like bad batch and tales of the jedi and keep doing it on a regular basis even more of a regular basis then pff, by all means please 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 so yeah i i i think this is great and i i'm, I'm excited yeah for sure also i went back and watched the trailer again while you guys were talking and tim i think you're right i think that is commander cody in that shot with uh crosshair when they're looking like they're you know they're gonna kick down a door or something yeah. crosshair is aiming his gun because it's like it's the exact same armor that cody has from clone wars it's just it's hard to tell from the lighting but it might be just like white and gray now because it's imperial like he True, painted yeah. over the orange and just made it gray but it's all the same little attachments and antennas and visor on the helmet and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, since we're seeing him without his helmet on in another part of the trailer, I'm like, that's gotta be him. Um, and also remember from that, that uh, Kashyyyk arc from Clone Wars, there were gonna be like those giant creatures yep. that they were uh. like riding around on the force. You can actually see there's a real brief shot towards the end of the trailer of another Wookiee who's not Gunji. It looks like maybe it's Tarful. Um, or another like Wookiee chieftain. It looks like he's on the top of this giant beast. Like you can only see like kind of like its ears poking up into the frame. It's mostly just focused on the Wookiee. But I think we're going to see that again too. So um, that and Gunji and all the stuff on Kashyyyk is immediately like the stuff I'm most looking forward to um, for the new season. But yeah, I mean, there's so much cool stuff in there. Um, looks like they're doing some kind of like swoop racing at some point. Um and like I said, just lots of recognizable stuff like clone commandos and V-Wings and, and Republic gunships and all that kind of stuff that we're now seeing in the Imperial era. So, um, yeah, I mean, and like you were saying, Paul, like Bad Batch season one, like it's when I want to go back and rewatch it again, because I remember like, I mean, there were a lot of episodes that I really enjoyed. There were a few that I didn't, but also throughout the season, there were a lot of things that I would like get my hopes up on or, or you know, kind of go way out on speculation and thinking that they were going to do these big things. And then the the end result kind of being more subdued, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Like it just never ended up being as sort of like big or epic as sometimes you were like expecting it to be. But then like when it's all said and done, I think it's still a good series. It's just not like phenomenal, um, but it's definitely good. And I like the characters and I like the the adventures that they go on. Um, and like you said, Omega is definitely just like a, a bright shot, of, bright spot of sunshine um, and all of this. And so I can't wait to see more of her and how she just continues to grow and develop as a character. So, um, yeah. yeah. And this is also coming fall of 2022. So, um, yeah, we don't have uh, I don't think we have an exact. Yeah, we don't have a, a release date for it yet. Um but yeah, this fall we'll be getting uh, Tales of the Jedi and Bad Batch. So lots of Star Wars animation coming up before the end of the year. Well, boys, I got to run. Uh, life is calling me. Uh, it's been great. Uh, I think we have Visions left, but uh, I got the goes. But Visions, I mean, I love the Visions, but I want... Uh, I want Ninth Jedi. That's all I care about. So that's all I have to say about that. Um, I don't. I mean, other you stuff and me is both. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm sure that other houses will, will do great stuff, but I don't care. I want more Ninth Jedi. That's all I care about at this point. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm excited. Star Wars excited. We got. We have our next Kenobi episode. It's going to be ridiculous. Um, 
but I'm excited. And uh, yeah, I'm so much to be so excited about Star Wars and right now. And I just spent a bunch of money on pre-ordering Star Wars figures. And whoo, it's good to be a fan right now. It's good, it's good times. Good times. Yes, Great is. oldies. All right, guys. Well, I'm out. So I'll just get in on this. Godspeed, <laughs> the boss nas version yeah we have not had a godspeed rebels from boss nas before <laughs> that was a new one yes um that was great that was fantastic um but yeah so like you were saying the just the last thing we got to end on is uh season two of visions was also announced that's coming uh i believe spring of next year um, or at least they said 2023. Did they say spring of 2023? I can't keep all these release dates. Yeah, right? I'm not sure on that. <laughs> um, but I believe, at least I think I remember hearing it's going to be like, you know, early 2023. Um, but I think the most notable thing about this is uh, they said that for season two of Visions, it's not just going to be Japanese anime, but they're um, bringing in anime studios from all, or like animation studios from all over the world. Um, and so they're going to be studios from like the US, Japan. Um, I don't have the list in front of me, but I think there was like France, the UK, uh, some other like Asian countries. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's not just going to be sort of anime focused like the first season was, but it'll really be kind of a sampling of animation styles from all over the world, which I also think is going to be really cool. Um, like Paul was saying, I really hope, like, I don't know if it's just going to be like one episode from each country or like whatever it is. I assume that the next season is going to be a lot more episodes than the first season was because um, the first season was what, just like nine episodes from yeah. like seven uh, Japanese anime studios. And I think I'd have to go find like the, the panel description again or like the tweet that they put out announcing this, but I'm pretty sure there were more than seven countries listed. I mean, there were at least maybe like 10 um different countries that they listed that we're all going to be doing um you know having animation studios contribute to this um and so if it's just one studio from each country it might be about as long as as the first season was but um if it's you know if they're having multiple different studios i mean this could be a lot longer than the first season which i also would be totally fine with but whatever anime studios they're having work on this i just want more of the ninth jedi from the first season i really would love to see a continuation of that. I'm also slightly worried because I think that same studio and um, I don't remember all of them. I think it was production IG. Um, maybe it was the one that did the ninth Jedi. And I think whatever studio it was, is the same studio that's now doing that Lord of the Rings anime movie, the war of the Rohirrim. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if they have the, you know, the team members or the resources to be able to do that and Star Wars at the same time. So I'm a little worried that we might not get that anytime soon, but I hope I'm wrong. Um, and obviously I think, you know, Lucasfilm's paying attention. They know the fan demand is there. And I think, um, you know, that was, I would say probably the most popular episodes of Visions were probably the Ninth Jedi, uh, the Village Bride and um, Ronin. Um, or is that what it's called? The first one? Was it just Ronan? Yeah. Is that the title of that one? I remember that was the novel. I was like, wait, was that the, the name of the episode? But like, I feel like Ninth Jedi is easily the one that has the most potential for, you know, continuing that storyline. Um, along with uh, Lop and Ocho, I know that one also kind of kind of ends on like a, a cliffhanger where you could easily continue that story. And I wouldn't be mad about seeing more of that one as well. But 
Um, yeah, fingers crossed for more Ninth Jedi. That's what I'm hoping for. And then aside from that, just seeing some really cool new different takes on Star Wars from all these animation studios all over the world, I think is going to be really cool. So I'm excited that we're getting more of that as well. Yeah, that was definitely a cool surprise to get refilled for season two of Visions. It's not it's going to be a worldwide effort now <laughs> seeing all these different animation styles and stories coming all across the globe from Star Wars, which is going to be pretty cool to see. And that kind of makes me believe that we might not see too many continuations of the stories from season one, at least not right now, just because I would think these animation studios from all over the world want to do their own thing right off the bat for doing their first Star Wars animated project and not having to feel they have to continue on anything to kind of let their influences and their culture show in their animation style for the story they want to tell. So oh, yeah, I kind of put, sure. put I think my expectation. If they were going to continue any of the vision stories, I think it has to be the same, same animation studios. I don't want a continuation of the ninth Jedi done by like a French animation studio. I want them to be able to do their own thing. Yeah. But at the same time too, for ninth Jedi, I definitely agree. Just since that was so amazing in every way possible. <laughs> but if, if it's not possible for some studios to do it again, and if they really want to continue these stories, I can see them maybe giving it to someone else for another animation studio. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but at least for now, for this, for the countries doing it for the first time, totally think it's going to be doing their own original stories, which I'm looking forward to seeing as well. And I was actually kind of surprised how like small the panel was at Celebration. Um, I thought it would have a little bit of a bigger presence, at least at one of the bigger stages than when it was on. But maybe it was just so early in production right now that there wasn't so much to show and tell that they were keeping it kind of small. But um, still cool to get and to know that it's coming next year and that it's going to be more Star Wars like we've never seen before. And that's what was so great about the first season of Star Wars Visions is getting Star Wars content like we never got to experience before. And they're going to up the ante with that by having all these different animation styles from across the world should be really cool. And just another thing to put on the list of Star Wars stuff to look forward to over the course of this year and next. So fun times yeah. indeed. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think part of the reason it was kind of smaller and and not you know they didn't make a huge deal out of it is i think that panel was primarily focused on season one and uh i know they like had some of the That's people true, that worked yeah. on the first season and they were talking about just kind of the way it came together and they showed a lot of the concept art and i guess there's a, a an art book for star wars visions that's coming out too and so they were talking about that um and then it kind of just ended with them saying like but wait there's more um so that was where the official announcement came but the whole panel wasn't focused on you know previewing season two that's a good point too. Yeah. We're just focusing on the new stuff. I forgot, but the main part of that panel was to look back at season one and all that yeah. stuff. So I mean, that's, that's kind point. of why I saved this one for last because this was kind of just a, a relatively smaller announcement in compared to all the other stuff where they either had trailers or they had full panels talking about this stuff. Um, this was just kind of like, here's how we made vision season one. And Oh yeah, there's more coming too. So, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Heck, if if this celebration was any indication and just seeing all this upcoming stuff, you know, we talked for so long about how 2022 was going to be a landmark year for Star Wars and there's going to be all this huge stuff. Um, but next year is going to be just as big, if not bigger, um, especially if we still are getting a movie in 2023, which like I keep seeing articles saying that like oh you know kathleen kennedy said that there's still going to be a star wars movie coming out next year but like they didn't talk about that at the panel at all or like at, at any of celebration um we haven't heard anything 
as far as like stuff going into production. I mean, we know Taika Waititi's working on his movie and he's kind of talking, starting to talk about that a little bit because he's doing press for the Buzz Lightyear movie right now. And then he's going to be doing Thor Love and Thunder right after that. Um, and there's even been like a, a couple quotes from him going around talking about like just his inspiration and wanting to expand the universe and focus on new characters. And it's not going to be sort of like a continuation of the stories and characters that we already know from Star Wars. He wants to do something new with it. Um, but like we know, so we know that he's working on his stuff. We know that uh, Kevin Feige and his writer are, you know, starting to work on their movie. Um, but I would still be shocked at this point if we get a Star Wars movie released in December of next year. Yeah. Um, and yet I keep seeing, <laughs> I, I keep seeing things saying that that's still going to happen. Um, but I, I highly doubt it, but regardless still, I mean, for this year, we've already had book of Boba Fett and then we've got Obi-Wan right now. And then before the end of the year, we're still getting Andor, uh, vision or no, not visions. We're getting Andor tales of the Jedi and bad batch season two. Um, along with, and then, you know, of course we got Lego star Wars, the Skywalker saga this year too, but now we know that 2023 we're getting Jedi survivor. We're getting Mando season three. We're getting Ahsoka getting vision season two. Um, I would assume we'll probably get a third season of bad batch next year. Um, and maybe some more tales of the Jedi who knows. Um, so yeah, as much as this year has been and continues to be a huge year for star Wars next year is also going to be just massive. And apparently we're getting skeleton crew by the end of next year too. So, um, yeah, I mean, when it's all said and done, we're going to look back and maybe 2023 will even be bigger than 2022, as hard as it is to imagine. But um, yeah, no shortage of Star Wars content to be excited about right now. Like Paul was saying, it's a it's a great time to be a fan. There's all this new stuff coming out to get collectibles for and action figures and stuff. If only they had action figures coming out with the shows and not, <laughs> you know, you oh, you can pre-order these black series figures from the Obi-Wan series and you'll get them next March. Um, <laughs> don't even get me started on that. I, I'm, I'm just glad that at least they finally are making the, uh, the black series clone wars mall from season seven. Um, so I pre-ordered him, but yeah, again, that's, I think the expected delivery is like February or March of next year, but I can finally put him on my shelf with my season seven Ahsoka and my, uh, my, you know, Ahsoka helmet clone trooper and all that stuff. <laughs> Um, Only three years later after Clone Wars Season 7. Not too bad, right? Right. right. <laughs> <sighs> I'm, just, I'm just glad at this point that it finally happened at all. But like, gosh, you guys, Hasbro, get on top of your stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, we, we got lots of stuff to talk about, lots of stuff to collect and play with. And, you know, it's, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan for sure. Um, and it was a great weekend at Celebration, just following all these announcements and stuff coming out. And of course, I got to do, you know, the panels about it at Phoenix Fan Fusion that uh, you guys heard a couple episodes ago. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a blast. And I'm sure the rest of this year and next year are going to continue to just be a ton of fun for Star Wars fans. Um, but I'm glad we were finally able to get on here, talk about all this stuff, um, you know. To no one's great surprise, we've been going for another three hours. I, I'm i surprised it's only been three. I thought we'd be pushing three and a half, maybe four on this episode with all the stuff we had to talk about. But we kept it to a somewhat reasonable length. Um, but before we wrap up here, I know uh, Timmy put out the call on social media for people to you know share their thoughts on all this kind of stuff. So uh, what do we got from the listeners? Yeah, so on Twitter, first up, we got uh, Paul, not 
or Paul, but <laughs> Paul at Mr. Peace Do says, aside from the amazing Andor trailer, it was that celebration is coming to the UK. And I get to go to my very first one. Hotel already booked. So yeah, that was the other big news like, announcing when the next celebration is going to be, and it's going to be in the UK for 2023, which um, is cool to know that fans like Paul are going to be to experience for the first time there. So hope you have a good time there, Paul, and uh, be sure to share your experience with us when you get to go. It's good to know that we have someone or know someone who's going to be going to celebration uh, next year out in the UK. So that should be tons of fun for you. Happy you're going to be able to get to go to that. Yeah, for sure. And then, Eric uh, at London's Dark says in his favorite things from Celebration, he goes, and the Andor trailer convinced me that the show will be up for the Emmy for best drama, political intrigue, guerrilla warfare with a Star Wars twist. Yes, please. And Tales of the Jedi, Filoni powered stories filling in gaps of beloved and lesser explored characters with Clone Wars animation. So, yeah, agreed on all points there with you too, Eric, on those two series being something to be very excited about this year. And then also um, Aaron at Mars 6, um, he just actually has a different question he wanted to bring up for us, which was interesting. He goes, um, if the Jedi thought the Sith were extinct for a millennium and didn't know they were still around, how would Yoda know there should only be two Sith at the time? That's a Darth Bane rule, isn't it? The secrecy started with him. Just wondering. And yeah, that is a good question because that has been something I thought about too. More so when I was reading the Darth Bane books um, a while back. And I can't remember if at the final book, I remember what happens in the final book, but I can't remember exactly how it was left with the Jedi and how they kind of viewed this, the existence of the Sith and how the last encounter they had with them in that story. Um, I probably should go back and refresh my memory, even though I love those books to death. But um, I think there's kind of two ways to go about it. One, just from kind of, the real world perspective if there's going to be kind of any retcon that lucasfilm does with that if they ever decide to tell the story of darth bane officially in canon which i hope one they one day they do because i would love to see that and take huge inspiration from those from that trilogy of books because they were fantastic like i said but it is established in clone wars not just that darth bane um is in canon but he does say in the yoda arc that he did devise and came up with the rule of two so that is established in canning. But I just wonder if there's going to be kind of any, any retcon to that as far as when exactly that took place, if it maybe was a little longer for Millennium. Because I think in the in-universe way it could work is, yeah, they had a big war with the Sith. They wiped most of them out. But maybe they lasted a little longer than a, a Millennium. Like maybe it was a few, a few years or so, maybe like a few decades too, where they knew there was some Sith out there that was still a, where they knew about the rule of two. They knew there'd be a master and an apprentice and maybe they'd defeat one, but then the apprentice would take over and it would just be two for a little bit until they mistakenly thought, hey, we wiped out the last two and that's it. And last Yoda knew about it was that at that last period, there can only be two, a master and an apprentice, and that's where he's grabbing it from. So that maybe could be an in-universe story way to make it work, but... Um, it is something I want to see addressed because, like I said, not just to have Darth Bane in canon, but just to get the Jet Jedi's perspective on that too. Because I think it is a great question: How exactly did you know to know about that? If the Sith, the Jedi thought the Sith were extinct, but in reality, Cad or not Cad Bane, Darth Bane was in hiding, establishing the rule of two. So, how in fact would you know that if they were hiding? So, definitely an interesting topic, um, one that I have thought about before. But um, I'm hoping it does get addressed at some point. Officially. Yeah, that's. 
That's a good question. I mean, I will say, I, I just looked it up to confirm, like those Darth Bane novels came out in the 2000s. So technically, if that's a plot hole, it's the books that created the plot hole, not the movie. Because in the movie, when Yoda says, you know, only two there are, like it hadn't been established yet that Darth Bane like wiped out all the other Sith and went into hiding and created this rule of two. Um, but yeah, I mean... You could, you know, there there could be ways around that. Um, but that is a good question. Like, but it, you're right. Like, you could just say that if they ever decide to tell a canon version of that story, that maybe Bane established the rule of two before the Sith went into hiding. Um, or there was a, a period where, and who knows, maybe it was something sort of like the, the situation you have now with the Inquisitors, where there could have been other dark side users. Like maybe the Sith had acolytes and, and dark Jedi and stuff. And you even see that like in the, the KOTOR games, right? Like you fight all these dark Jedi all throughout the game, but like Revan and Malak are the only Sith Lords. Um, well, I guess there's Malak and then his apprentice is like Darth Bandon, who you fight in the game too. But like, um, so yeah, maybe it's it's a thing where like there's multiple dark side users and and people that would sort of fall under the umbrella of Sith, but there's mm. only two, you know, top two like the Sith lords. Um just like you have Vader and Palpatine and then all the inquisitors under them. So it could be something yeah. like that too. Yeah, that could be a scenario I could see playing out too. Or maybe some too where like Yoda had knowledge of it. Maybe he found it out on one of his maybe he took a trip to well, no, because Moraban, his first trip to Moraban was in the Clone Wars, but just some like another Sith temple where he got his hands on some Sith artifacts, maybe the writings of Darth Bane or something. And that's what made him know about the rule of two of not actually seeing at firsthand a master and apprentice of Sith Lords. So that could be another avenue they can explore. But I don't know. Yeah, there's different ways you can go. But like I said, I just want to see the in canon version story of Darth Bane so bad. <laughs> yeah. He was such a great character established in those books. And even if there are some different, they go in a different direction. I hope they just keep the same essential stuff. I think made him such a great character, such a great story in those books intact for whenever they do decide to make it into canon. Because, and till then though, this is my rule when it comes to EU stuff for stuff I really love until it gets contradicted or made officially in canon. I view those books as of happening as of right now. So, Oh yeah. Until Lucasfilm decides to say otherwise, right now I consider those books to be the true story of Darth Bane and how he came with the rule of two. Yeah, yeah. Same with Plagueis. Same with Revan. You yep. know all that stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah. If it doesn't, if it doesn't contradict the current canon, I'm the same way. I'm like I, I consider it kind of still having happened until we get something that says otherwise. But uh, speaking of which, well, I'm sure you guys probably talked about this in that episode where you talked about the, the Vanity Fair article where they talked about the Acolyte and how mm. that apparently is going to bring in some some elements of the EU that we haven't seen brought into canon yet um, that I assume probably will deal with ancient Sith Lords and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I know that show is still a ways off, but I'm getting more and more excited for the Acolyte the more we hear about it. Same. Yeah, I think that's going to be an avenue where we could dive in. Not maybe not specifically the rule of two and all that, but just more Sith lore and yeah, just more insights yeah. of what they were doing at that time, why they were hiding. I think it's going to be fascinating to see. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm not saying we're, we're going to get a full explanation to that in that series, but just, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we get some references to Darth Bane or Darth Revan or Exar Kun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, wouldn't be surprised if we see Darth Plagueis in that series. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a good one for sure. 
But, uh, you know, that's probably a trailer for next year's celebration. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's that's way off on the horizon, but still just oh, man, there's I don't know how we keep track of all this stuff, but there's just, you know, so much cool Star Wars stuff coming um, in the near future and the slightly more distant future. But um, we're glad we've got you guys to talk about it with, you know, thank you guys for the, the comments and the questions. And uh, as always, if you want to interact with us, you can find us on social media at uh, at Star Wars TSC on Twitter. Um, that's where we're most active. You can also find us on Facebook at uh, Star Wars The Saga Continues. Um, you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com and you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com and find all of our episodes and news stories and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for now with our recap of Celebration 2022. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you again soon for our uh, second half of the season of Obi-Wan Kenobi review. I cannot wait to talk about that Thank next you. week after we see the, the showdown with Vader and all the crazy stuff that's going to go down in the finale. So uh, we'll have lots more awesome Star Wars stuff to talk about with you guys very soon. But until then, thanks for listening. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody.